What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. John and I are back on our new night, Thursday night. Most of you here in this Friday morning. We're trying to, we're, you know, we're trying to improve the show audio quality. So we're using a new service. So definitely let us know if it sounds better than normal. We were running it through Skype. And, uh, and then we, we, we did some shows in, in person, but, you know, through Skype and, and the old fashioned way to sort of do podcasting, we're using a, n- a new service um, called Cast. And so hopefully uh, it sounds a little bit better. And, uh, and yeah, so, you know, we're in two different spots and, and we're using Cast to try to to try to do this show together. So um, if you have any feedback for us about the quality or if you have any questions or just want to shout out and say, hey, you can send us an email at Fight game pod pod at gmail.com and uh, and yeah and and you know if, if it's a question maybe we'll read it on air or any feedback or whatever but also i'm just interested in, in in hearing from people um you know you can send us tweets and stuff too just just how the sound is because i'm kind of a stickler for it and i want to make sure using this new service you know we're getting value out of it okay the long preamble there with john what's going on not much man we have a we have so much to talk about tonight it's crazy. I know. I know. It, it's 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 almost all wrestling too, which uh, you know has kind of been the thing. But man, that's where all the news is. So uh, before we actually get to it, so I already talked about the email address fightgamepod at gmail dot com. Um, also, you know, if you are on iTunes and and into rating and and giving reviews and five stars and all that stuff, and you haven't done so, uh, go ahead and give it a shot. You know, there there's. There's uh, the algorithm that that iTunes uses or Apple Podcasts now. You know they take the reviews into into uh, making you know into ranking things. So uh, you know a lot of people game it and they got you know super large fan bases and stuff. But you know it's it's nice you know also to see the feedback you know because I check it you know every couple every couple weeks to see if we have a new review or whatever. And and to those who have given us a review, uh, very much appreciate it. Uh, and uh, and yeah, all that all that fun stuff. So. I just wanted to get that out of the way because, like John said, we got a ton of things to talk about. So, a lot of folks from our uh, our Facebook group that you know we always talk about Fight Game Podcast Facebook group were in Chicago at the AEW show and also for Starcast. So, shout out to all those guys, Nick and Wade and Becky and Robin, um, our, our buddy Alex. All those people were at, were in Starcast. I'm sure I'm missing a, a couple people who were there. But um, I think the, the the cool thing about doing this podcast and having a group is that you just get to kind of casually chat with people. And, and, it, and it's a cool deal because when, uh, you know, when we started the Facebook group, it was like a way to kind of promote the podcast a little bit. But, you know, I, I didn't like using Twitter as a way to discuss things with folks because Twitter is just this like big ecosystem and stuff gets lost. And I always like the idea of groups and communities, so that that was more or less what it is. But it's actually become like a cool thing just to sort of see what people are doing and see what shows people are going to because, you know, we got like firsthand information on StarCast this weekend about how the attendance was down. We got firsthand information on AEW from a live perspective. So, like, just having the group has been really awesome, and I feel like, you know, we we, we get that little bit of extra information, you know, because people are there. So, thanks to everybody who was there and was posting in the group and stuff and you know it just it just seemed like not not necessarily that we were there but that we were kind of in the loop on what was going on so that was very cool but also this weekend AEW's all out 
there was an NXT UK show and there was a New Japan show from London. Uh, and so it was like a big wrestling weekend. And, uh, you know, there was also a boxing match. I actually was looking forward to the boxing match most uh, uh, because it was uh, Lomachenko, who's, you know, one of the top guys going today. But the thing that, I, you know, we, we record this late in the week and I don't think it's, you know, it's sort of old news to kind of do an AEW all out recap, right? Because everyone's done that already. But the, what I wanted to do is I wanted to take an idea that we had for the, uh, the website, fightgamemedia.com. And we kind of polled people in, in our Facebook group to say, hey, you know, what was the best match? And, and you know, if you could write something to argue that it was the best match, you know, we'll put it up. So we put a post up yesterday, and I think there's like five of us who who gave our opinion on what was the best match of the weekend. Um, I made you the judge and jury, so Tyler Bate <laughs> against uh, Walter won. But, uh, but, you know, it was like for a wrestling fan, this was a really amazing weekend, especially if you got to watch all the shows. So what I wanted to do, rather than recap the three shows, I want us to rank the top five matches that we saw this weekend. Because while I didn't see all of the London show, I saw the two top matches. So I at least saw the two best matches on that show. I saw the entire UK show, and I obviously watched All Out. And, uh, and yeah, so just, you know, you and I, I want, to, I want us to go back and forth, starting from uh, match number five of the top five matches we saw this weekend. And we can actually use the, the opportunity to kind of talk about some of the shows, too. But um, I think I think it'd be a cool way to recap stuff without, you know, everyone. Everyone's already done the recaps. You know, we're like five days old now. So if uh, you haven't heard your AEW all out recap, then you're, you're not you're not finding it because there are millions of them out there. But um, so what was your number five match from this weekend uh, before i say that i want to also thank all the feedback we got on that article it was pretty cool man just a lot of people coming in talking about the article and getting her thoughts it was really cool and then i'm looking forward to doing more of those on fight game fight game media so look out for more of those kind of articles coming up yeah for sure that that's the stuff that i love is just getting people to participate and collaborate and that you know that's that's the internet in a nutshell to me yeah definitely it's like all about getting a lot of various different voices regarding pro wrestling, boxing, uh, MMA. So it's been really great. Love the new look of the site, by the way. Really cool. Uh, but my number five pick is from All Out, Cody and Sean Spears. I thought that was a really good match. It was intense. Sean Spears came out, looked like a star. Um, I enjoyed the brawling. The only negative, there was some uh, stuff with the referee that didn't really come off that great. It made the ref look like a complete idiot. I'm talking about the uh, the belt spot where uh, Hebner catches Spears using gonna going to use the weight belt that Cody had, but then he took that belt away as he turns around to give the belt to the ring attendant. Uh, Spears gets Blanchard's belt and starts whipping Cody, and all of a sudden Hebner just becomes deaf. Can't hear <laughs> these, you know, the skin being slashed by the leather belt of of Spears. So that was kind of a, a a weird thing. But other than that, like I thought it built well. I love the surprise of Arn Anderson coming out and giving a spinebuster to Spears to counteract Tolly. I like MJF's. Um, his participation in the match as the second to Cody, and you know, just to and just kind of like you know 
continue on that storyline of what's going to happen with their program, we event we assume that MJF will be one day turning on Cody. But um, I just I just really liked that. I really enjoyed that match. It was it was a good 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 wrestling match. Give me six months. Give me six months of MJF and Cody on television on TNT with you know the young bucks coming up to Cody and going, you know you. You might want to watch your back, you know. I know MJF's your buddy, but you know, he's a young he's a young guy who who's looking to make his name in this business, you know. Just just watch your back and Cody's like, "Oh, come on, you know. I I raised this guy. Like he's not going to turn on me." You know that kind of stuff. I want to see like 6 months of this build on TV. I hope it doesn't happen soon. So, this is actually my fifth match too. And I think, you know, I agree with the things that you said negatively, but what it made me wonder is you know, the the referee that is always sort of like, I guess in New Japan, they take advantage of red shoes, right? Like, because cause hmm. he's got the he's got the believability from the fans and the fans love him. So if he looks like an idiot, they sort of forgive him. And I wonder if that's why they did this. They had Earl in this match, too. I mean, obviously, it's a Cody match. So Earl Earl is Cody's guy. But it's almost like Earl has a little bit of. You know, he's got a little bit with the fans, so he can look like an idiot and the fans aren't going to turn on him. Like maybe, you know, they would have turned on, let's say, Aubrey uh, if she was the referee, you know, uh, because I thought the same thing. It's like, you know, what the, the spot was great until you started whipping him in front of the referee. And then Earl had to like go, oh, oh OK, you know, what's going on here? Or and I think I think a lot of people said this. So this is not a brand new idea why not make the match no dq like at least yeah. that that takes that that out of it that's a great point like you know well the ne- my next match we'll talk about this but like i think you could uh cut out darby allen and jimmy havoc and and joy janelle's match and just made this the hardcore heavy stipulation kind of match and i don't think they like purposely made hebner to look like an idiot i just think i don't think they weren't thinking of it all through and you know cody does think a lot about these matches i when it comes to the program team njf and cody i think cody is going to take his time he's smart with his programs i'm not i'm not worried about cody storylines at all anything involving cody and AEW. I'm pretty pumped about like mm-hmm. the future main event of the November 9th pay-per-view. Like I'm really looking forward to that match because Cody, he really gets detailed to stuff. So I'm surprised that he let this little slip go through, but it was maybe one of those things where the referee just has to look like an idiot, which is, you know, me, like I really believe it all starts with the referee because yeah. if he has no credibility, the match has no credibility, the whole event has no credibility and we're all fucking wasting our time. Yeah. So, um, you, you mentioned Cody and Jericho working the next pay-per-view that was just announced today, and so that is going to be full gear. The other match that has been announced is uh, John Moxley and Kenny Omega. So Moxley will be will be back by then, and that's you know that's a strong top two match. And you know the Young Bucks will be doing something. Maybe it's with LAX or uh, what are they going by Ortiz and Santana? Yeah, it could be. Uh, the ta- was it the tag finals going to be on the TV? They said, or is I it think it's going to be on TV. Yeah. Okay, so it might be whoever wins their first defense and. I, I actually don't see the Bucks winning the tag titles right away. Yeah, I don't know. It, it almost makes him seem a little bit like uh, like Jericho in that he's he's kind of like the the old vet, and you don't want those guys to be looked at as the old vet quite yet. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so what is your number four match of the weekend? Another match from All Out: Adam Page and Chris Jericho, the main event. 
I thought this match was really good. Um, I felt bad for them because they had to follow that crazy, crazy, crazy ladder match. And But like what they told, they told a great story. I thought Paige got over. I thought Paige in the end showed that, hey, his time is not now, but it's definitely going to be in the future. I thought Jericho was at his very best. Um, I was a little bit confused with the blood situation when Jericho... Um, got the blood i was kind of wondering like wow it's kind of interesting like with the you know the heel getting the blood and you think you get the sympathy on him but i i then i remembered <laughs> i think i called you on the way home <laughs> like i remembered w- why it's connected because you know jericho at was a fight for the fallen or fighter fest um he's the one that bloodied up Paige's right uh right eye or left eye so that's why he was you know that was the revenge came in but i think it's kind of got lost in that crowd and i think this is where Live, I think it would have got a bigger reaction if, mm-hmm. you know, if TV wasn't play at this time, right? Where they could talk about that leading up to how, you know, Paige didn't get revenge. I mean, he had like one promo on, or a couple, maybe one or two promos on those countdowns to, you know, all out shows. So once they get TV, a lot of that stuff's going to connect. I thought the, I thought, I don't even know if the, if the announcers even caught that or I don't, or maybe I didn't, you know, didn't hear it because, you know, there was a big group of us watching the show and um, some of the commentary I didn't hear. But I, I I liked it. I thought uh, the match was really good. The finish looked great. You know his uh, his back elbow finisher that Jericho's been using. Um, you know that's just, I mean that's the best it's ever looked. And you know, Adam Page took a great bump on that. And I loved like my favorite spot was like when Adam Page went for that stupid shooting star press he has off the apron. Stupid because it just doesn't make sense to me. Like because it ended up just being like a freaking shoulder tackle. Yeah. It's like, if you're gonna freaking do the shoulder tackle, just do the fucking throw shoulder tackle. Don't do. A shooting star, sh- shooting star press. Yeah, it, it's cool that you can do it, but you don't need to do it, right? Yeah. And then, and he did it, and then Jericho hit the code breaker on the outside. I thought that was just pretty, pretty damn awesome. But you know, unfortunately, this match I think is getting like lost because it, you know of the ladder match. In my opinion, this is what I noticed from watching AEW pay per view. I thought it was a good show overall because there's a lot of good, good matches, good wrestling, but there's also one experience the uh, level of the undercard is not that strong um and also i noticed the inexperience of laying out a card and i think it's like you can see like it's almost like in a way i hate to say this but indie level thinking like we need the hardcore match so let's just have you know joe Janela, jimmy havoc and darby allen do some crazy shit you know fans we need a hardcore match blah blah, blah. You know, match placement. That ladder match should have been A, either on last or B, on first, in my opinion. And since it's for the AAA tag team titles, it should have been on first. And mm-hmm. since you're crowning your first ever world champion, you have to put that title match on last. And you have to have that. So to separate these two, you go opposite ends of each. So you open with that ladder match, you put. Omega and Pac in the middle. You put the semi-main as Cody and Sean Spears, and you main event with Adam Page, Jericho. And I think the crowd would have been there at that time. And also, you cut a lot of the bullshit. You don't need the six-man tag with SEU and Jungle Boy and the rest. You don't need that freaking hardcore match. I'm sorry you don't need it. You just don't need it. It was just a waste of time. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second, which is... You say the the little bit of an in, indie mentality because you need that hardcore match, but I think they cater to some extent. Like like their hardcore fan base 
is also watching Game Changer, right? Like that that they are also willing to uh, to watch, you know, Beyond or whatever, or whatever. The, all a lot of these shows where it's kind of like, and 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 I'll tell you what it reminds me of. Not the style, but you remember UFC before they got TV and before they were on Spike. In order to be like, in order to be a UFC fan, it was kind of hard. <laughs> like it wasn't readily available, and you had to kind of know when the pay per views were on. And I was just following it through the Observer mostly, and until right, you know, maybe like the year before they got TV, then I got into it. But that's how this a lot of these this indie wrestling feels. It's like it's a little bit renegade style. You know, they're breaking the rules, and all the old folks like it's en vogue to go. You know, who are these old guys? Like, why do why do we care about this old kind of wrestling? This should be entertainment and artistry and stuff. And so I feel like the audience who is really into that stuff, they are also part of AEW's business plan in order to grow their fan base because they know now this may be an infinite number of people, but if you are building a fan base and, and you know, we always talk about Jungle Boy, right? Because he's like that young star who, you know, he's going to bring, you know, the young the young fans to, to watch him because he just exudes just like this cool character. But there's also another piece of this fan. Like, you know, I'll, I'll even bring up a name. Um, so I think I've mentioned this guy before, but I know a guy who writes for the baseball prospectus. So he's like super smart baseball fan. And he DM'd me, uh, and we're gonna. I already told him. I said, you know, I want to. I want to bring him on because, uh, you know, with with you and I, because he's just. Uh, uh, you don't see. I'm sure. You know, people who watch as much baseball as him probably aren't also watching as much wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he was just. He was just like just DM me. He's like, by the way, are you here this weekend? And are you going to this game changer show? I was like, nope, I'm not there that weekend. And he's like, I literally just got in and I'm going right to the Game Changer show. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there, there's an audience for those guys to do that crazy stuff. And maybe, it, you know, it probably does play much better live than it would play on TV. But, I mean, there there is an audience there. So, I feel like if AEW was like, you know what, we are just going to have these great athletic matches and we're going to skip some of these other matches that our hardcore fan base enjoys – I think they wouldn't be doing service to those fans. So you and I, who are just like, oh my God, like we lived through this with ECW and with a lot of the garbage matches. And and the, the, I mean, these guys are like taking it to like a, another level athletically. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I, I just cringe at some of this stuff, but I also can't just judge and go, you know what? Like it, it, it doesn't work or it sucks or whatever, because it's obviously... It's obvious to me that there are fans for it because you listen to that live crowd and when they see Darby Allen do that, you know, that that coffin drop or whatever on onto the, you know, on onto the steps with the with the barrel, like you and I are looking at that going like, why would anybody be stupid enough to do that in a match? And there's there's this other fan base going like, holy shit, Darby Allen is the coolest guy that I've ever seen. I had no problem with hardcore wrestling. If it's built to, if it's being built to that point, right? I just felt like it just, to me, it just like a lot of indie shows. Okay, we need a hardcore match. Boom, there it was. Like if they would use their TV for six to four weeks and now. Yeah, but they don't have it yet, though. I know. So that's why I'm saying it's not needed for to show. It's just taking time. And now we have a long show. We know all of these fans who are 
a lot of these AEW fans are, you know, very passionate, anti-WWE, and they'll bitch and complain and still watch SummerSlam or something like that. And they're like, it's so long. It's so long. Well, this show was exactly the same. It was very, very long. And I was getting fatigued, just like well, you, I if did you when take I watched a, WWE. If you take away WWE's pre-show, well, if you take away both pre-shows, I think this show is actually longer than SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so. But I'm just saying, like, I would, you know, I think it's like there's just no need to put everyone on the show. I get it. This show's already sold out. You're going to get the buys. You have the. You got to focus on your main eventers, and you know, and give give time for those people you know I, I get i can understand keeping best friends and the dark order on the pay-per-view because you know you have that but there's a stipulation there the winner of this tag team match gets a buy in the tournament okay there is a reason for this match to happen there is no reason at all for darby allen joe janella and jimmy havoc to have this hardcore match just to put them on the show and that's but i mean but there there was a small storyline to that they they were uh, i think it was after whatever the last streaming show was, they did an interview segment where they all kind of just started fighting each other. So <laughs> they, they did they did build something for Twitter or for YouTube or for one of those shows. It's, probably it's, YouTube, just, it's, just, it's just we didn't see it. Yeah, um, well, that's a problem. Okay, so, so the, uh, uh, another piece about this, which is, and, and the reason I'm asking you, not, not because we need to go over this because everyone has had their opinion on it, but because you have the experience of putting a show together the idea of having Jericho last. Now, um, you mentioned going first, and I really wonder uh, if uh, anything could have followed it for like the next three or four matches. We might have had the same issue uh, with, with, you know, just matches just being just dead as all hell. But the other thing is the idea of a title match going on last. Now, I think, like, I obviously never put a show together, my instinct is that no matter what, the title match should go last. But, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers knew what they were going to do. Right. They knew yeah. what kind of match they were going to have. And Jericho and Paige knew what they were going to have to follow. Now, I listened to Jericho's podcast today and he's and he is very clear that he should have been the main event. But he also said that he was in a similar position at WrestleMania, uh, was it 18? WrestleMania 18? With Sean? Uh, no, with uh, him and Hunter going on last oh, yeah. after Rock That's Hogan. Right. And he said, Jericho said himself, that he wanted to go before them because he knew that they were going to, you know, they were going to blow the, them out of the water. But yes. now he's on the other side where he's in the main event and the Young Bucks are in the semi-main. So he still thinks they should have gone on last because it was this prestigious title. I, uh, personally, I didn't care because I really liked that match. I don't. I didn't have it fourth like you. I actually had it tied for sixth. But um, I really liked the match, and I, and I thought you know people, it, it, but but people were in such a like a buzz for that other match that. It didn't really, you know, they didn't really start paying attention to this match until this match got, you know, 10 or 15 minutes old. And then you sort of saw the stuff. But I thought I thought this match was really, really good. And I was I was bummed that a lot of people thought it was flat. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you just saw the one of the biggest car crashes of all time. (laughs) And you're comparing it with that in your mind. But I, I really thought this was a good match. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if I was it was up to me. 
I would put the ladder match on first, followed by the best friends in Dark Order. Let them, you know, <laughs> let them have have the, you know, get try to get the crowd back into it. Then I would have followed up with Hikaru and Rio, and then Pac and Omega. So this gives you a nice little time for the crowd to kind of get back up for Pac, you know, and Omega, and then you know then. Trying to remember where the matches are on the show. I wouldn't put the like I said. I would have took off the six man tag or at least put it in the pre show because I think that match would have been like, hey, I want to buy this pay per view, you know, because mm-hmm. that was fun and it was a really good opener. But I just you know I'm talking about time and 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 getting their best out of the time because timing of a show is very freaking important. And I I think that's a whole that's a whole other science that's been <laughs> gone. Like I just think you got to like pick and choose when you put certain talents on on the show. Mm-hmm. All right, so my fourth match was uh, actually Kenny Omega and Pac. And I turned to you, or all, all of us who are watching, uh, Jer- Jeremy uh, Finestone was with us, the Heartbreak Kid David Rubio was with us, and I kind of turned to you guys and I was like, this match is almost too smooth. Like, these guys are almost too good. And then there was a little bit of a, a, of a mess up near the end, but... There wasn't a lot of struggle here. I just thought it was like such a crisp wrestling match. And I think I don't necessarily understand what they're doing with Omega, but having Pac win in the way that he did with that submission just surprised the hell out of me. So I was like, oh, wow, like I didn't see that one coming. And so it kind of got me to, you know, sit up a little bit. But I just thought the wrestling was was so good in this match. And, um, you know, in, in a weekend where. Tyler Bate and Walter are wrestling, and Okada is wrestling. It was a little weird to see Omega second from the top. Um, I almost wonder, like, if he, not that if he, uh, I, I like, I don't think he was bothered by it, but he's a competitor. And I wonder if he thought, like, hmm, you know, I know Okada just had a four and a half star, you know, four and three quarter star, whatever, whatever you, you would give that match. And I heard about this Tyler Bate Walter match. Like, I wish I was in, you know, a little bit of a better place here to have that five star match. But, you know, they were second from the top. And I thought in that spot, it was like one of the best <laughs> second from the top matches you'll, I mean, second from the bottom matches you'll ever see. Yeah, I had that match like almost hitting my list and didn't make my list. But uh, I thought that match was really good. And I think, uh, I think Omega is smart enough to know that just like that match you had. A- Kota Ibushi G1 where like you felt like man they more should there's more left on the table you remember that we had that conversation mm-hmm, after we watched mm-hmm. it I think the same thing applies here with Pac I think he, you know it's just a first step the first match between those two they're going to have more and with each match they're going to be more and more and build up it's going to be build up slowly and I think Mega was smart to kind of have his match early on the show too and I think that was a nice that was pretty cool I actually liked that 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 I like that match placement. I would have preferred in the middle, like I said, my you know, all that kind of stuff. But like I would have put that. I like I like kind of like I kind of like what they did, I and mean, I really enjoyed that match, and it was really good. And it just, I was debating between you know that match and also um, the Cody Spears match because which one was my five. But in the end, I think I just like that Cody Spears. I like that brawl. I like that intensity just a little bit more. Even though what they did, Omega and Pac, I think they did great execution. And yeah, you know, there's a super athlete, so things do come easily for yeah, them in the for ring. Sure. And I, you know, but uh, but I thought they built to a nice match, definitely. All right. So what was your number three? 
Number three was a surprise. This whole it was from U, uh, NXT UK Cardiff uh, takeover was the three way tag team match. Like I was just like, okay, you know, I wasn't like, you know, I don't really watch the show. I know some of the guys, but I got, I just kind of like at watching this match, just kept building and building and building, and I was like, the crowd's going crazy. They're totally into the the babyface team. You know, going for the titles. The only thing I didn't like, which I wish they, I wish it was a straight up tag match, honestly. Like Gallus, the big men, like I just thought they were kind of just in there, kind of, you know, they did good, but they're like, the story should be the the babyface tag team going against those heels for the tag titles. But like, I popped a lot. (laughs) I was popping for that match. I was like, man, they they got me on a lot. Like, I'm just like, okay, it's a three way. I kind of like in my head, like, I can know it's going to happen. And like the near falls got me, and it was a nice, really nice tag team match. I like that match too. And and in my initial write up of the show, I think I had it fourth or fifth. But then when I looked back, I was like, you know what? When I watched the storyline of Cody and and Sean Spears, I just enjoyed it more. And you know, I just enjoy Kenny Omega so much that I had to put that match ahead. But the but. The the problems that I had with this match are very similar to what you said. I I didn't like the triple threat aspect of it. It it's like a WWE triple threat match, right? And and we sort of forgive them sometimes because they can actually make they they actually have the the spots so great when all of a sudden you think something someone's gonna win and then oh yeah that guy was on the outside I forgot and he comes in and he breaks up a pin or whatever. And so there was that element of it. But I think triple threat tag matches when you actually have to tag in to the match or tag out. Why would you ever tag the other team? I know. I like, know. that's the part that bothers me. So the psychology of the whole thing is like, OK, like, I really like the work. And when I watched, it, I was like, man, this match is really good. But then, you know, I just sit there and go, oh, you know, why Why is this? Why, why is this not just a straight but tag? They- or why isn't it just, uh, you know three teams in the ring at, at one time like why do you make it only two well there was moments where they would tag like blind tag each other right so and get in the ring and stuff i just think the three-way aspect just hurts it because the story there is those baby faces you know mark andrews and webster going against you know uh zach gibson and, and his partner um so I just, I think, I just, I just like straight up tag team wrestling. I'm not a big fan of three way matches. Um, I, if it's a three way match, I do want it to go it, to go nuts, and they did, right? You know, like they did turn it up, so that was cool. So it just like took me by surprise. Like I didn't expect my, I didn't expect to like it. Like I thought it'd be cool, but I was in like gearing up for it, and all of a sudden, like I was like, wow, man, that thing took me by surprise. That was a lot of fun. So that's why I have a number three. All right, my number three is my, my is, I'm guessing this is gonna be your number two is uh, Okada and Suzuki. Um, we've seen these guys wrestle before. It's been a while. I can't. I, I'm trying to remember when was the last time they had a singles match. It's, maybe it's been over a year. Uh, but excellent match. I think the problem here is going in. You knew that there's no way Suzuki is winning this match. The the environment and the crowd really made this match to me because Suzuki's like the baby face here. Like the crowd desperately wants him to win this match. And in the back of my mind, not being in the crowd, I think if I was live at the show, like uh, our buddies uh, doing and Alan, uh, Alan Forel and, 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 and doing dub on, on Twitter, they were both there live. And I think um, 
I want to say uh, uh, our buddy James was there, and then James Williams, and then also maybe even uh, Johnny Malice. Like, so we had like people, we knew people who were at this UK show, at the All Out show. I, uh, I'm not sure if anyone I knew was at the NXT UK show, but the London show, we there was at least four people that I knew who were there, and um, and so. I think if I was there live, I would have liked this a lot more, but just sort of watching. And then, you know, the other thing, and, and this is sort of unfair to Okada and Suzuki, but the NWJ, uh, the, the New Japan World website, the sound was so bad. Like, I know a lot of people didn't really care. Like, they're like, oh, after the third match, it was fine. But I'm listening. I can't even barely hear Kevin Kelly. And some of it is the crowd because they're so, they're so hot, but... All, uh, it's also just bad sound and I'm just uh, so I'm just trying to listen it's kind of distracting me but overall the great match I, I I but I knew it was gonna happen so that's why it's not higher than number three for me yeah I mean it's my number two match um I really like that match a lot uh definitely I think it's one of the better matches between those two and they had a lot of great ones um I I enjoyed Suzuki as the babyface you know, in this match, the crowd really behind him, Suzuki, a lot of it was like, there's a little bit brawling outside the ring, but most of it was like all in the ring. Um, it's funny about the sound, because that totally took me, you know, kind of caught me off guard, and it was kind of distracting early, but I was like, I was kind of digging it when I just could just hear the, the, the kicks and the, the mm-hmm, forearms, mm-hmm. and you know, the audio of that was much better, and then sometimes I honestly, lately, I watch it, like I watch a lot of Japanese wrestling that has no commentary, and I sometimes I just enjoy the sounds of the ring, the the ring, the ropes, um, the chops, the you know the connection of the of the slams. The, the, you know I I just I just enjoy that more. And so I was digging this, and maybe that's why it got me a little more into this match because like you know you can really hear those Suzuki forearms and those kicks. There's that one point which I really just was digging this match is like when Suzuki's just going nuts on Okada in the corner and just forearm him, boom, 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 boom. And then Okada's like crumbled and he just freaking soccer kicks him right in the back, like in a safe, <laughs> in a safe spot. But like the way he did it and how vicious it was, like it just brought me, made me suspend disbelief and like, like, bam, maybe he's going to fuck him up. You know what I mean? Like I just really dug it and it was a it was a it was definitely a fun show i, I mean i i only watched like i was like you i watched just the tanahashi and um zach Sabre match and the in that match but it, you know what i saw was really good all right so my number two and i know you don't have this on your list because uh in your in the write-up you you, you <laughs> thought it was more was more of a stunt show than than an actual match but i cannot discredit the young bucks and the lucha bros now when you and i are kids if we saw stuff like this, even a fifth of what we saw, we would go nuts. We'd go, oh, this is the new style. This is how all wrestling should be. You know, these young guys doing all this high-flying stuff. But we are not. <laughs> you know, we're not 15. And, and and so I was trying to watch it through the eyes of someone who was like, you know, a younger person. Just thinking back to when, you know, you and I, maybe we would watch like, you know, Jushin Liger and Brian Pillman or something where they're doing crazy stuff where like, oh my God, I haven't seen that except for, you know, maybe, maybe in a, a, on a Japanese show or something. And so I think the problem with this match is more so this feud because the, the feud is more about who's the, who's the, like the crazier team 
than it is about really a grudge. But what I like about this feud is they really sold, they, they went to so many lengths to make this feel like a real feud of who's the best, right? You saw the Bucks go to Mexico a couple times. Uh, you know, uh, I think there was, there's a few matches over the over the last year where the Lucha Bros are, are, are in the U.S., and so I really like that aspect of it. And while the the you know the sort of the storyline or the grudge or whatever is more about you know who's going to go to what level to win this match versus uh, you know the, there's just really a, a great story here. The thing that I liked about it is, and and we'll get to this a little bit more when we talk about who's the best wrestler alive for this week, is these guys are in this match knowing that Sunday. Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday is going to suck hard, right? But they also know that this is a this is a big stage for them. And so they did some some really crazy things, some really daring things. Um but they did it in a way that I thought made a lot of sense to the match and they did it where they peaked with the craziest stuff to end the match to where I was like, okay, like that I'm fine with in in a match of nothing but crazy shit. Okay, I get that 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 one should finish somebody off, and so I like that part of it. But I mean, you know, I, I get the I get the thing about seeing that one when you see that stuff all the time, you become a little numb to it, and it becomes less special. And so hopefully that was the blow off, and uh, you know these days the ladder match is the blow off instead of the cage, <laughs> but uh, but I I really appreciated the lengths that these both of these teams went to uh, to really serve this crowd because uh, it's a long show, and I think the crowd saw this even even though I I'm, I know that they wanted to see the Jericho Page match too, but I think the crowd the live crowd really saw this as as the match of of the night. And I think they delivered it. Now, you know, we, we, we can judge from, from our seats on whether or not it was, you know, the, the kind of wrestling that we like. But, you know, I also thought back, I was like, man, if I was 15 years old, I would have thought this is the greatest match I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I was a kid, I would have been totally into it, just like I was Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon from WrestleMania 10 ladder match. But my issue with this match is that... They did a lot. I mean, I even said in the write-up, I said, hey, man, I respect these guys. These guys had balls doing this crazy stuff. And, I, and you know, I can't do that. You know, I can't just jump on there and take a Canadian story through a table, you know. But these guys, you know, they put it all in line, and, and, and I respect that. But my issue was the match psychology. And, yes, there is a psychology within a ladder match. It's called running up the ladder and grabbing the tag titles or whatever's up for grabs. And they had moments of doing that, but a lot of times it was just – there to set up stunts the ladder was used for stunts and that's what this match is all you know what it's there for people want to see the craziness but within that craziness you got to tell that story like you hear you have one moment which you know got a great reaction on one end of the ring there's you know a young bunk jumping off a off a ladder and onto a lucha bro and then there's another lucha bro jumping off the ladder onto a young buck and like they do at the same time they look at each other you know but just go up and get the belt. It's like, like you know, if you, your guys are prone on these tables, they're not gonna, they're not gonna come out and stop you. So why don't those two guys run up a ladder? But no, because they have to do their spot. I just well, thought it was, but of, I, it was just a stunt show. It was just a car crash. And like I said, a respect thing. But to me, it just like it lacked that. To me, it lacked that psychology. I, I wanted to see more running up 
the ladder, trying to get the belt, and then you can play off the stunts off that. A lot of it's like they're just setting up to jump out, you know, like big deal. So I get that part, but but it goes back to what I was saying about what the true. Like the, this was, you know, and, and maybe it was less about the AAA tag titles than it was about sort of who's the best at this style of match, because that that's how I saw it was. I also saw it as, you know, we always we always call it synchronized swimming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I did get that part of it where it's like, oh, you're going to do this. Well, I can also do this. Yeah. And I'm just as good as you or better. And so I understood that part of it. And that's what I think it was versus, you know. Yeah, a ladder. If if you look at ladder matches like that, as you're looking through it in the guise of 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 how to how to do that kind of match, ladder matches are idiotic because you could race up to to grab the title, you know, in a second, and you see that when they actually do grab the title, mm-hmm. it does not take them long to get up the the ladder. But uh, I looked at it as you know, it was just two teams going like. I I also saw it as sort of a real competition in a way. Um, where both of these teams respect each other, but they're also kind of like competing against each other for who is, you know, really better at at, at some of this stuff. So I, I kind of like that um, at the end of the day. Okay, so uh, so you have uh, what do you have left? Do you, do you have your second your second best match or your what's your second best match? Okada Okada Suzuki, Suzuki right? Yeah. Okay, so what's your number one? Uh, Tyler Bate and Walter. What a freaking great match this was. I I was just blown away. Like stuff I just keep saying like missing in pro wrestling. And like here are they here they are giving it to me. And you know, you had Tyler Bate as this ultimate, ultimate underdog babyface who kept fighting, his back is hurt, and with every like he's not just all of a sudden like one hundred percent doing moves. Like you know, he's registering the pain in his back. He's selling the back throughout the whole match. Walter, I thought, was a great monster heel. Not not in the sense of, like, a big Van Vader kind of monster, but just, like, you know, he's bowling. And Mark Walter is so smart. Like, there's points where, like, you know, Walter thinks a big chop. Like, he builds through that big chop and uses it correctly and at perfect timing. And I just, I was just, I just love this match, like, I was like, maybe, maybe a proud wrestling fan. Like, this is a match I would show people, and I think they would dig it. And um, you know, I, it, I tell you what, it was so good. This whole show was just so good. I actually watched an episode of NXT UK, and I haven't watched a single episode of NXT, NXT UK other than the, you know, the takeover stuff or their special events. So like, it got me like, man, I should watch a little more Tyler Bate. I should watch a little more Walter because man, they they just really came out and put on a classic match probably one of my top top five matches of the year i also have it as my number one but i i don't think it was flawless and again i'm, I'm sort of just taking i'm playing devil's advocate here because there, there wasn't really a lot wrong with this match but you know the store or the sort of the style of the match reminded me of a match that we talked about on a podcast uh, a while ago uh, on the we want flair podcast with flair and vader it, it obviously it's, it's like an evolution of that match and it was way better than that match but you have the small guy having to try and and stop the unbeatable monster and i had a couple of problems with it only in very very small problems one being that walter let Tyler Bate 
throw him around, I think a little bit too much because, and, and, and when I started thinking about it, I, I hearkened back to something that I think you told me about Jeff Cobb in one of his matches where you were like, you know, I wish Jeff wouldn't go up so easy for some of this stuff. Mm. And so when I'm watching Walter and Tyler Bate, there are some moments where obviously, you know, Tyler Bates struggling to get Walter up. And in some, in other instances, like Walter's just going up really easily and just flying around. And I thought, hmm, I, re- I would have really wanted him to, to kind of be a little bit more of the heavier big guy because I think he's so good. I mean, he, he may be the best big man in wrestling right now. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, and, and so I had a problem with that. And also, I think if you're going to do this never say die stuff where Tyler Bate is just kicking out and kicking out and kicking out and kicking out, I really think this should be the last match that he wins because how do they get, how do they do better than, than this when it comes to never say die Tyler Bate? Like, where do they go from here? Maybe he goes to NXT USA (laughs) or something like that, you know? But can this is the same problem that I have with the, uh, the Adam Cole and uh, Gargano matches in that you do so much in the one match. How do you follow it up? Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of people like that second match. I, I didn't like the second match as much. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't know. I don't think I've even seen the third match, but I get, you know, I get just the, the quality, but when you, you know, let's go back to story. If the story is, is that Tyler gave him everything and still was not good enough so the next match, if Tyler's going to win, it's got to go 55 minutes. Like I mean, it can't. I don't think it needs the length doesn't matter. I think it's the the story within the match. Like the story within the match is like he got power bombed to the ring post. Well, he actually missed the ring post. It went straight down. That was that was freaking scary. But like it, that was the plan of the match it was going to be the lower back the injury. So I mean. If he can survive and be fresh in the next match, and maybe it's something else, I know he's gonna, you know, take the heat and something's gonna happen. But if he's a little more hundred percent than that, maybe he has a chance to beat him. I mean, I, I want to see them wrestle again. I'm invested in the storyline if they, if they if they continue it. Um, you know, I I like Tyler Bay. I always liked him. I mean, he didn't stand out to me like Pete Dunne did. But God, after this match, I'm like, man, this this kid is like one of my favorite baby faces right now, and I want to see more now of Tyler Bay. You know, we always talk about the chase, though, right? It's all about the chase, mm-hmm. the babyface chase. I just wonder that when he finally wins it, if it's if it's going to be a little anticlimactic because or anticlimactic because we just saw him take every move possible. But I will say, and, and I'll come back around. I did like this better than uh, any of the Gargano Adam Cole matches, which that might that's probably uh, I'm probably in the minority there. But I just thought that it felt more like it felt less choreographed and way more. Um, way more like a just a fight than than that than those matches. And Not, I, I'm I'm 100 with you. I think it was definitely better than all the Adam Cole Gargano match, and I and I like those matches a lot. I just like I got. I mean, this is like what I like love pro wrestling. Like this is like the the guy selling and fighting back, and the people are just like behind him. Like they had that crowd, and like it it wasn't like you know the the UK crowd does the chants and they have the fun, but like I don't know about you, but like I felt. The, the the everyone in that building wanted to see Tyler Bate get that win, and you know I don't I don't know where they go next, and I I would like to see him win the championship from Walter, but I also you know who and I think the NXT USA also needs, you know it'd be nice to kind of stack that right now going to USA, and I think Tyler Bate even though he's not to the masses, 
you know, a person that's going to stop the channel. But, like, if they do stop on the channel and him, they do watch him, I think he can become a favorite to a lot of the casual audience. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we saw this wrestling this weekend. And, uh, you know, and basically anything is, is up for, um, you know, from the la- from since we recorded. So I think I told you when, when you were like, who, who, you know, ha- if we're picking you know, best matches or whatever that, that was just for that weekend, but for best wrestler alive, it's basically from the last time we recorded until now, who would have been, who, who's your pick this week for best wrestler alive? Kento Miyahara in all Japan. (laughs) And that's not even anything we talked about. So what was, what, what was the match? I watched, it was on September 3rd. It was Kento Miyahara, who's the triple crown champion against Naoya Nomura and who's Nomura's this young gun. Uh, you know, and you know, Miyahara is like the ultimate champion. He's the one of the very, very, very best wrestlers out there today. Like, if you're talking top guys, like I think he's top five. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't get the All Japan service or don't watch All Japan. But like, he is freaking brilliant because he can go from beloved babyface champion to being that subtle heel champion, and here he was perfect i mean he is so cocky and arrogant this match and the crowd was going nuts for nomura and the finish was oh my goodness the finish was just so awesome you know it like it it's one of those matches where you have the champion and the young gun chasing for the champion and the champion retains and you're like i can't wait to see nomura as a triple crown champion like it shouldn't happen now it definitely should happen next year sometime. And just they, they let you. It just it, to me, it was like a five star match. I, I I was like just blown away by that match, and and just it just once again, even though I know this, like just re, you know reaffirmed to me, like you know Kenta Mihara is if you know top five, maybe top three wrestlers in the world right now. And to me, on this week of all the guys I saw, he still outperformed them all. What what is his status as far as like does he just want to? stay in all japan for the rest of his career does he ever want to change and go somewhere else in japan or come to the u.s like because you know you just said not a lot of people watch that service but yet you hear about him often Mm -hmm. from people who are able to watch more than just new japan i think it's you know the japanese mentality to be loyal you know the honor system you know a lot of people stay honor to their you know to the companies that you know you know miyahara came through diamond ring with the was a Kensuke Saki's promotion, um, and you know that that went away, and Sasaki retired, and you know Miyahara got you know he was in Noah, but then he got picked up by All Japan and was given that that push in All Japan. So he's their ace, he's their guy, he's you know he's the one that the company's built around, and who Jun Yakiyama is building around, you know. So I, I think like like a lot of guys stay loyal, just like Marafuji. Like Marafuji's you know in Noah, he just he's he says I'm gonna be with this you know with Noah, you know, to the, to the end, to his career's end. And Okabayashi in Big Japan, same thing. He might go around do some other shows, and, but, like, you know, Big Japan's his home. So in Japan, it's different. It's, like, being loyal to your to your company and doing your best to build that company up and, and you know, build more fan interest. And Miyahara has done that. Like, with Miyahara as Triple Crown Champion, as the ace of all Japan, interest has definitely spiked. And, um, you know, things, you know, Things are this year should be really interesting to see because all Japan had a little bit of a hierarchy change. Uh, a still has some influence, but he's you know he's not not 
as high as he was. So we'll see what this the the new ownership group is going to do or the you know, new investors and hopefully they can get more on it because they have a good product, they have a good roster, good talent, and I I watch a lot of their events and 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 they're really really good. There's some goofiness and some crap and you know, but like 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 most like most companies, but you know for the most part, I mean it comes to their main events and their big shows, the core con shows are definitely worth checking out. All right, mine is a is a tie between and it's two completely different styles of matches. Uh, I just, God, I, I, I was so, I was so into Walter in that match, uh, with Tyler Bate and in the same way, but maybe for a different reason, uh, I thought Phoenix was just <laughs> incredible during that ladder match. And especially considering the injury he had. <laughs> right. Like, because, you know, we thought he was going to be hurt and he did just about everything. And I thought his timing and his athleticism was off the charts. Like, you know, in this kind of match, like, you know, Nick Jackson is kind of like the guy when it comes to timing and he's always doing things like perfectly. But I thought Phoenix was better than him in that in that match. So um, that those those are my guys. Yeah. Nick Jackson almost died in that match. Oh, that was, my God. That was like when I saw that spot where he came crashing, like get caught up in the ropes and go crash at that table so fast. Like that's when it's like you just become concerned for the guy. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just it's just it was that was a risky ballsy match and i do respect him for it and i'm not being an asshole it's just you know my opinion on wrestling and on very important to me is like the psychology if, if i don't see it if you know i just it's not a good match to me but they did a great job you know they did a good job and they put it all on the line i respect that okay so quickly because uh, we spent a lot of time talking about that stuff but uh wwe they had a writer shakeup. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy who was doing NXT, uh, what was his name? Uh, Ryan Katz or Kratz? Is that, is that who it was? I mean, I know he's one of the writers and definitely in creative. Um, I, I'll, I'll find the name here because I, I, I have my I have my um, my Wrestling Observer open, and, and Dave talks about. It. I'll, I'll get the name in a second, but he was the guy who was doing NXT, and then I think. He uh, he then started doing SmackDown. Well, I guess he's off or he's taken a leave of absence. No, it wasn't him then. I think and Ko- and and Koski is now writing SmackDown. So remember when Vince was doing all these rewrites of SmackDown? <laughs> it's because he would come to SmackDown. And he'd just be like, "What the hell?" and he'd rewrite the whole thing. So it's this guy uh, who, who I'm. I will find the name of in a second. Who who's who's been who's been sort of replaced, but Zana leave absence. Wanted to take some time off. Whatever. Ed Koski has now replaced him, and um, Ryan Ward is the guy's name. Yeah. And so he was doing he was doing NXT when you know when Triple H uh, was had him as like the right hand the his right hand. The, so the guy doing SmackDown now is a guy by the name of Jonathan Beckstorm. And so he's now the the lead writer of Raw. Uh, I think I said SmackDown, but he's the, the lead writer of Raw. Koski goes to SmackDown. So this was this. I think this was the news that people were hinting at over the weekend of like, ah, oh, some WWE news is about to drop. I think it was. I think this was that was that news. So they they they're doing a writer shakeup. They're also going to do another draft. Mm-hmm. Now, I ho- I think it's going to be really a draft instead of this, just this superstar shakeup uh, because in, in the recent Observer that just came out earlier today, Dave said that Fox Sports wanted to do a real sports draft. Now, with WWE, who knows, right? Because, 
you know, they're, they're not comfortable with that kind of thing when you have to make it seem real and you have to put stakes in it and make promises like they don't like that kind of stuff. So the idea is for the second SmackDown show that they will start the draft and then they will follow on the next Raw. So they'll have two, they'll have two nights of draft and uh, they will split the rosters. And the idea is to be very rigid in splitting the rosters and not have any crossover. No stupid wild card. God, that was the dumbest idea, though. Mm-hmm. You know, ratings did go up when, when they had guys on both brands. Um, and then they're also going to the extent of splitting up the announced teams, too. So Corey Graves not on two shows. He's only going to be doing one show. So back to, like, the original, original brand split where, you know, you had everything uh, really, you know, they, they, they were really responsible with protecting that. Uh, and then they would only do the, the those, you know, those mixed matches at like WrestleMania or something. So uh, I think I think I think it'll be good. But I just like I, I worry about two things. One, Vince McMahon changing his mind. <laughs> and then two, like how responsible they'll be with the two brands and and at what point do they just go you know what we need roman on 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 raw even you know he's on smackdown but we need him on raw because you know we're this third hour is dying like i i just I, I just worry about that thing yeah yeah i mean i do too i'm not surprised by this draft actually i kind of knew it was going to happen i just think it's it's just i mean with the new show going to fox like you just know like they're going to do a shake-up right or a draft and I can see, you know, Paul getting the guys he probably wants. You know, I can see him getting Aleister Black on Raw, which would be a good thing. You know, Buddy Murphy to Raw would be a good thing. Um, I'm curious to see what Raw is going to end get up end up getting more than SmackDown because SmackDown, I feel it's going to be heavy loaded with because it's on Big Fox. You know, the 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 big the big guns like I think Becky Lynch will go there to SmackDown. I think Charlotte goes to Raw, um, even though you know Charlotte is you know to me the top female in the company but when it comes to like popularity right now i think becky's still you know ahead of charlotte so i can see them switching them two around i see andrade then going to raw as well because you know you know he's you know they like to keep the couples together um but i want to see what they're going to end up getting you know like as their lead baby faces and stuff and maybe that's what you know things are happening right now maybe that's what uh Heyman's planning right now with say ricochet you know with this king of the ring or something like that, you know, maybe he's he's he knows he's not gonna have the the top top tier guys. Maybe he'll get Brian or something like that. You know, I, I just want to see who they're gonna end because I think you know with SmackDown being on Big Fox, you know, the focus is gonna be Big Fo- SmackDown now over Raw, in my opinion. And I, I just want to see what they're gonna do on that side. Okay, I have an idea. I know they're not gonna do this, but this is what I would do. You have, maybe you even bring out, I guess you can't bring out Heyman because he's an actual in-story character, but you bring out, maybe it's Shane and Steph, and they're the two, they're the two uh, people who are drafting. Shane gets to protect one wrestler for SmackDown, and Stephanie gets to protect one wrestler from Ross. Does Stephanie protect Seth, or does she protect Becky? Hmm. And every selection that they make, they then get to protect another person. So at the end of every round. So let's say Stephanie's got the first pick. Shane protects Roman. And then 
Stephanie grabs uh, Daniel Bryan. I, I, I'm just trying to think of people on SmackDown. Yeah. And then Shane goes, okay, you protected Seth. I'm taking Becky or wh- whoever it is. They, they probably won't split them them up, but just so it's for a, the... It's a, it's a keeper league? That's what you're saying? Right. And, and so then at the end of that round, Steph goes, okay, well, now I'm going to protect Drew McIntyre. So now Stephanie has Seth, Daniel Bryan, and Drew McIntyre. And Shane, at the end of that first round, goes, well, guess what? I'm protecting uh, Elias or whoever's his guy. And so every round, you can select someone from the other brand. And at the end of every round, you both get to then keep or protect one. So it's like there's a strategy to it. And, you know, maybe it's Charlotte that 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 Stephanie goes after because she just lost Becky and Shane couldn't protect Charlotte. Like there's a strategy to it to where the fans are super involved and they're thinking like if they were the ones drafting very much like their favorite football team where the 49ers sit at pick number two. And I'm going like, I hope that Nick Bosa is available. And all of a sudden, Arizona's really hot on Kyler Murray. And it looks like they're going to pick Kyler Murray. And I'm like, great. Even though he's uh, he, he's make, uh, he's MAGA Nick, Bo- Nick Bosa, I still want Nick Bosa. Like that, like you get the fans invested. They need to do something like that. And that's how I personally would do it. But, you know, they'll, they'll do whatever they want. But that, if, if they, they, they can steal that idea, please steal it because – you will actually get people invested in the brands and who their favorite wrestler is on each brand. And they'll want to draft with Shane and Steph. Like you can even have stuff on Twitter, tweet at Steph who she should use her second round pick on, Mm -hmm. you know, interactive stuff. Like it's not that hard. I think to make this a really, really good, fun sports draft. Yeah. I like that idea. I also just hope that they don't break up acts like don't break up selena and andrade don't break up the oc like keep those all together i think that all that stuff's working really well you know all right so the other wwe news um nxt matches for week one uh roderick strong against uh the dream is going to be week one but what they're actually going to do is interesting. So NXT debuts not uh, next Wednesday, but the following one. Or is it next Wednesday? The 18th, right? Second no, following. Oh. Yeah, the, the following Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it will be um, they 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 will have uh, a sh- uh, uh, one hour show on USA because USA. I think they have uh, is it suits or there's a show that they're that yeah. they're near the end of the season with, and so. NXT's not going to get the two hours right away. They'll get the two hours once AEW gets two hours. So that that's when they'll get the two hours. So for the next two weeks, they get one hour, and then the second hour immediately is uploaded to the WWE Network. So that's how they're going to play the next two weeks. Kind of kind of weird to me, but I guess this was sort of how they had to do it. Yeah. Um, so for that first week, we get uh, we get Dream and we get. Um, and Roderick. we get Ro- R- Roderick. And then also on that show is going to be a number one contenders match with Mia Yim, Bianca Blair, and Io Shirai. So, <sighs> Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, not, you, not, not the not the dream and strong match. I'll be, be really good. But like that, that three-way 
women's match. I mean, EO should be fine, but I'm worried about... Mostly worried about me in that match, honestly. I, I'm a little worried about them doing a straight NXT show, though, because how do, like if, if I know that I can wait until Thursday to watch NXT, why am I going to go out of my way on Wednesday night to watch Patrick Clark and Roderick Strong? Like, there's nothing extra to make me change my viewing habit Mm-hmm. With that show, and so it, I mean, you know, people want the straight NXT show. This is this looks like a straight NXT show, but they're doing all this stuff for the live SmackDown, and they had the Raw reunion. You're telling me that you're not gonna have anybody show up on that NXT show? It's just gonna be a straight I mean, show. But they haven't announced that yet, though, right? Yeah, I mean, they got you know they got what is it ten days or whatever. But they haven't announced like they're with the special stuff. I'm sure they're gonna do some cool little stuff that that hour and the same thing the following week and to to you know to build to like a major NXT takeover like show for the first head up you know with AEW. So I think we'll we'll get some surprises. We might get Triple H out there doing a speech or something like that, you know, or some former NXT champion you know make an appearance or something like that. They should just get John Cena to show up. They could. I mean, I'm sure. He's not busy filming Fast and the Furious 26. <laughs> you know what he's doing right now? Uh, yeah. Okay. That match so, is going to be great, though, with Dream and Roddy. I think it's going to be really good. So I hope they give, like, you know, not 30 minutes, but, you know, give him a good 20-plus. So King of the Ring update. Yeah. The, um, we are down to the semifinals. And the <laughs> semifinals got a little silly. The uh, Samojo and Ricochet match uh, ended in um, I get what what do they call it a draw, a technical draw I guess they, they both had they both landing on each other knocked each other out and they both had an arm draped over each other and the ref counted you know them both down so he couldn't figure it out and he went to the back and they ended up being a a, a draw and now it's a three way with Baron Corbin uh, next next this Monday at uh, MSG how did how did we not know they were going to do something wonky and not just do a straight tournament. I <laughs> I know we had this big debate on uh, the Facebook group. Um, it's I mean it's WWE. They're going to do something wonky here and there. But I mean I I mean just knowing Paul Heyman, knowing what he wants to do with Ricochet. Yeah, I think I mean if he does win this match, I I I feel confident he's going to win. Then again, I felt confident Andrade was going to be the the winner of this whole tournament. My brackets are my brackets been busted, but uh, yeah, I could see Paul's eyes or mine working. Just like you know, here's Ricochet is going to survive these two monsters and and go into the finals against. God, I hope it's. I guess it's. I'm hoping it's going to be Chad Gable and Ricochet in the finals and just let them have a good barn burner match at Clash. I hope. Um, these matches of King of King of the Ring have actually been really, really, really good, and I thought it was going to be like a kind of a goofy tournament. I mean, like short matches. Even like the last round was kind of short, some matches. But they really, I mean, for these for these last couple matches, they're all like really good. That that finish for Gable and Andrade was freaking awesome, dude. That was just that was all, and the crowd was into it. It was awesome. It was so good to see them get behind Chad Gable. Okay, couldn't you have gotten to this three way in a way that made sense though? Ah, you know, yeah, I think they could have done a little better job at it, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, and I agree. No, I think it was kind of wonky, and I, I didn't like the whole, like, headset with the referee, and and it just, just it, it, 
it, it wasn't executed. And it, what made it worse was like Ricochet like chasing the referee down and then Samoa, Samoa Joe chasing the referee down and then attacking Ricochet, but then Ricochet gets it, that was that was kind of that was kind of silly, but. Yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying there. All right, so the winner of that match is on Monday, on Monday's Raw from Madison Square Garden, and then they come back Tuesday on Madison Square Garden with the SmackDown match, Elias and Chad Gable, which, I mean, Hmm. it doesn't, like, that is not the match that's going to draw a a good quarter hour or whatever, but, uh, you know, Chad Gable is is a great talent. I just think his character sucks, and it doesn't make me want to watch his match, and I feel like, uh, you know, we all thought that we were going to get trolled by Baron Corbin advancing, but maybe it was Elias that we were getting trolled by here in this tournament. And and because, I mean, you could you could if Ricochet does win, you could see him facing Elias because Elias yeah. is a heel. I'll tell you what, though. Don't sleep on Elias. He's been doing really good in this tournament and his match with Ali was really good. Of course, Ali was Ali was just. You know, I think he's out there trying to kill himself. He takes these wacky, crazy bumps on the floor. Just he's nuts. But that match was, that match was really good. And this is a really strong. Uh, was it semi? You know, so a quarterfinals. Where we at? quarterfinals, right? This is like a really strong, mm-hmm. strong tournament. I mean, and I'm telling you what, man. Holy shit. Baron Corbin and Cedric Alexander was freaking great, dude. That match. That's why I messaged him. Like, sure, it's just we're just doing Saturday's picks for top five. Because honestly, I would have I would have put this Cedric Alexander Baron Corbin match in because it was talk about catching me by surprise. Now, I'm a big believer in Baron Corbin. I think he's really good. I think fans shit on him and it's just bullshit because he's such a great character. Um, he's such a good performer, and Cedric is really good. He's exciting, but you know, honestly, no one gives two shits about Cedric anymore, right? So here I am watching this match. Before the match, he actually gets attacked by the OC in the back like a total geek. And I'm like, ugh, that's not good, right? So he comes out. He's injured for his match, and he's holding his wrist. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be his, like, you know, he got destroyed, and he wasn't 100%, and Barry Corbin just has an easy match. Hell no, man. Then he ends up fighting through the pain, being his ultimate baby face. I mean, not Tyler Bate ultimate baby face, but damn near close. And Corbin was great. The crowd was going crazy, totally into the story. They wanted Cedric to pull out this win. And the finish was freaking fucking awesome. Well executed. The only thing that was negative about the match is that Corbin is still green when calling spots from the referee to the to the to pass on his what he wants to tell the referee to pass on to Cedric, totally blatant. I mean, it's just he needs to protect, he needs to clean that shit up. But like, I mean, that match is really good. I know you won't go back and watch it, <laughs> but you should, man. I think you have a little more respect for a guy like Corbin. I'm contemplating watching Raw on SmackDown next week, but I still don't think I'm going to do it. Um, I will follow on Twitter. I will follow in our Facebook group. I will follow uh, on Wrestling Observer, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see because they're, they're getting really close to to debuting on Fox and, and, and stuff, yeah. so may, maybe it is time to – but there's so much to watch. I don't know. I'll tell you what, though. I've been enjoying this tournament. I really – like it was – remember that – what was that year that I mean, King Booker T won? King Booker? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember kind of like was just like rushed through yep. or didn't like it was just like just like a quick like few week thing like this is like I feel like they're giving these for the most part giving most of these matches some good time and and Gable like like 
I don't like his character either. Like as like he's not standing up for himself, and he just kind of like you know I didn't like what happened last week with him, but like it's it worked with this crowd this week. I mean they're yeah. really into that match with Andrade, and Andrade was just man that dude's that dude is the man, dude. He's God, be- please, he's, he's like the best guy on their roster, and they don't do anything with him. He's money, man. Just hopefully they do something with that guy. All right, I'm gonna switch gears for the next two topics, but they'll be a little bit quick. Uh, UFC main event for Saturday morning in Abu Dhabi. Saturday morning for us. Uh, at least the show starts Saturday morning. By the time I think uh, Dustin Poirier and Habib uh, Nurmagomedov get in the cage, it'll probably be closer to like, um, let me think about this, maybe like 1 o'clock, 1.30 mm-hmm. or so, our time, uh, Pacific time. Uh, I do this every every UFC show. Like I, I try to get your... your uh, your heat uh do you feel it what's your rating like uh, like where do you feel this main event as something that you're like oh, i gotta watch this show yeah a couple years ago i'd have been like 10 10 <laughs> the way my fandom of ufc's been or mma lately has been kind of it's been down so i would say it's about a six though because it's features two of my favorites that i like to watch and i'm picking khabib you know i just can't bet against that guy but god i, like, I really like Poirier a lot like He's really good, and he can he can definitely pull out a victory here. So it's what's so cool about this fight. It's like I just don't know who's gonna win, but I'm just gonna go with my heart. I'm gonna go with Khabib just to kind of grab him and maul him. You know, that's his style. So yeah, he's got some pressure on him. Um, you know, being the champion, he hasn't fought since. Uh, has he fought since beating McGregor? I don't think so. I think this is his first fight since beating McGregor. So you know, he is the champion. He's not the challenger. You know. George, I think it was George St. Pierre who who always said that, you know, he he, he went into every match, you know, n- n- having, you have to defend your belt, but he's like, oh, no, I got to win it over, all over again. You know, that's yeah. kind of his mentality. So there's pressure there. And Poye is kind of like in this nothing to lose uh, mentality. And he's kind of like, I've seen a lot of people pick him for this fight. So it's, it's, it's really, it's kind of interesting to see. I, I, it makes me wonder if there's stuff going on about Habib that I don't know. But uh, I, I would pick him similar to you just because, you know, I think he's if, – if it's the same guy that, that faced McGregor, like that guy's a killer, you know? Yeah, I got to do my research for uh, – the, the, Oh, yeah, the other, the, other, the other fights. The other fights, but just my, my picks, I haven't, I haven't submitted them to our group yet. I usually – like I'm usually – that's usually – now I submit Friday. I would probably would have done it by Wednesday, but now I just wait till the last minute and – so you might have to send me a reminder tomorrow <laughs> to get those picks in. You're still winning the picks, though. The one year that you don't even pay attention and you I know. Winning. I know. This is what I, should, I, should, I should go with gambling. I hate <laughs> Every time I just try to overthink gambling, I just lose. I just squawk in and put 100 bucks on something. I'll probably win. The only other thing I wanted to bring up before we get to our SummerSlam 93 recap, you know, we've been watching all the 93 Raws and we're at SummerSlam, um, is uh, the Lomachenko fight against Luke Campbell and not the Luke Campbell that people our age would know, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker until George Lucas made him change his name (laughs) from two live crew. But uh, Lomachenko had a fight over the weekend uh, that was like right before, it was like right after the, the UK show and right before All Out. And uh, and it was in the O2 arena. We talked a little bit about it last week, but you know, it's just a it's it's just sort of a blessing to be able to watch a boxer like Lomachenko, who's kind of like a once in a lifetime guy, 
Um, and, and there's not really a lot to say about this fight because I think everyone knows, you know, who follows the stuff that, you know, he, he won a fairly easy decision. Though uh, Luke Campbell was tall and rangy and tough, and he posed a little bit more of a problem for Lomachenko than I think people may have thought. Uh, but there, 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 there comes a, um, you know, there, there's how how much longer is Lomachenko going to fight? Is he the best guy? Is it Terence Crawford that they, they will never fight? Because I think Crawford is a, uh, you know, he's probably at least two weight classes or three weight classes higher than Lomachenko right now. But I think people are a little bit disappointed in the Lomachenko performance. Whereas I was like, man, this guy's so good. Like he, you know, he, he figured out how to beat this like taller guy and bigger guy. And I heard a rumor that Lomachenko, like the, the plan with Lomachenko was to get him all the way up to Manny Pacquiao and and that was kind of the goal to be that big box office fight, but he just cannot gain the weight that is necessary to get up there. And so they've scrapped that plan. But you know, so he's going to be fighting at this weight class for uh, probably for for most of of his career. And, you know, maybe he gets a little bit older, but he's already in his young thirties. So uh, just you know, just wanted to shout out just when you know there is very few things as good as watching. A fantastic boxer it's just like just the amazement of the footwork and the hand speed and the athletic ability boxers are just at another level when they're that good so just kind of wanted to shout out Lomachenko I know the fight was you know six days ago or whatever but I just wanted to mention it because you know we try to cover as much as possible on all three sports and we've been so wrestling heavy I wanted to mention Lomachenko um okay so Let's get to our SummerSlam 93 recap. And I know you've been like chomping at the bit to talk about this show. <laughs> we are, you know, we're already uh, an hour and 15 or so into this. So, you know, we can't dig too, too deep in, in there before we run out of time. But I know, uh, you know, the, this show, it, it's so funny because I'm watching. Uh, I, so I'm watching the show and then, you know, I'm reading Meltzer's Observer after the fact and I, I after I watched that show I was like you know what that was a fun show there was some crappy finishes but I, I felt like based on what Raw was promising us the Raws that we've been watching I felt like if I would had put my $30 down or whatever for that pay-per-view I would have felt like I got my money's worth but then reading Meltzer's write-up he said something to the effect of uh, it was kind of like a thumbs in the middle maybe slightly pointing down show and I thought like wow like I had so much fun watching that show but it may simply be because just the wrestling was so different back then than what we see today and it was just like sort of a different it, it almost looks like a different sport yeah but it got it I mean because we've been watching weekly now these raws it just felt like a big event to me like I love the look of the arena they made yeah it like yeah the building looked huge. You know, they had a, they always knew how to film those buildings, you know. And, um, yeah, I thought it was a really good show and a lot better than I remember. Even that match with uh, Perfect and Shawn Michaels was a lot better than I remembered. I remember being, like, disappointed even talking about that in a couple weeks ago, like how it wasn't that great. But they had a, I mean, they had a really good match. It just well, the, finish the finish sucked. Well, yeah, the finish sucked. I'm saying, like, from where I remember the match, like, I don't remember anything, like, really good happening, but then I saw, like, the match itself, and it was, they did some good stuff. But, yeah, the finish was just... So, so this show takes place 
at the Palace of Auburn Hills, where the Detroit Pistons used to play before they built the new arena downtown. So it's not even in Detroit. Um, but I just looked it up. It's it's like going to be demolished like this month. Oh, man. What's going on, dude? I think someone has a bug on us. <laughs> All this stuff's happening around 93 stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, so, uh, the, you know, they, they, the Pistons moved out of that building. They're in a new building. And the old palace at the Auburn Hills, also home to one of my favorite episodes of uh, of the show Martin, when uh, he, he, you know, you know how Martin, Martin, uh, his his girlfriend Gina's best friend's name is Pam, and Martin and Pam are like bitter enemies, and so Pam starts dating this guy, this rich guy, and he's got. Like luxury box seats at the palace, so all of a sudden now Martin loves Pam, and then Pam didn't want to marry the rich guy, so he dropped her, and and, and Martin was so mad because he was he was in the skybox, and and now they weren't dating anymore, so he wasn't he wasn't in the skybox anymore. But um, okay, so 1993 SummerSlam, uh, I agree with you. the The building looked awesome. There's like 19,000 people in there, which is pretty amazing. Wow. Um, so the first match is a Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Razor Ramon. And I watched this match, and we've been saying this since 93 Raws have started. The thing that I got out of this is like we look at Razor, and we're like, man, Razor's a big guy. He's in good shape. He's cut. He's tall. And like Ted DiBiase, he's not as cut as 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 uh, Scott Hall, but he's like just as big as he is. DiBiase is a big guy. Yeah, we just don't view him as that because he like a lot of when we were kids growing up, we we're watching him versus Hulk Hogan and you know other big men too. Even like you know when he had his huge Jake Snake, Jake Snake's six five right or six six where the hell he is. So like like he's 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 a huge huge guy and uh, this match was really good um i enjoyed it perfect opener uh i think this is dibiase's last match in the wwf and he put over razor um clean one two three right in the center and i also i mean i'm sure he might have had some other matches like just non-televised but i think this was the last televised match and like right off the bat like when he's attacking razor i'm like man dibiase Stuff looks good, but it's also light as hell. Like, I would love to work TV Aussie, man. That would be so much fun. He was just, like, everything's so light. Even his chops, like, they looked vicious, but he's, you know, they're light. You know, nowadays we have guys which are trying to, like, you know, cave each other's chest in with these chops. And here's TV Aussie, like, just, you know, not even hurting the guy. And just, just, just a true artist in that ring, a true pro. And it's just a pleasure to watch DiBiase. You know what? You know what? Now it sucks. I'm not going to watch him anymore on these Raws because he's he's still one of the best. A very old trope in a WWE match where the heel takes off the turnbuckle pad, and instead of the babyface getting the the worst of it, it's actually the heel who who gets the worst of it. So I like Ted- how they I like how they went right to it too. Like it didn't take a you know it didn't take long for that to turn against him. And you know, Razor it leads to a great Razor's Edge. I liked how you know DB you know, Razor had to muscle him up. Yeah, yeah, it it wasn't an easy one for I sure. Mean, it wasn't an easy one, but that stuff like that adds the realism. You know, it might just not be perfect for him. You know, the 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 lift. Dibiase into that move, but like stuff like that, like just it's real, and and it just adds so much to the match. It was it was a great opener. 
Todd Pettengill comes out. He interviews Mama Steiner. They 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 no made one, no include her in. Yeah, nobody nobody prepped her for for what she should have said. They also interview little sis Steiner, who calls Rick by the name of Rob, I believe his real name, mm-hmm. and she is more tanned than Lex Luger is in the show. Yeah, she. She was damn near brown. Like, you know, she was, just, she was so tan. She had that 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 stereotypical, like, I don't know, like, in the 90s, like, overly tanned, a big poofy hair. Oh, yeah. That my, that my grandpa used to call the rooster's ass. Like my, sister, <laughs> my sister Gina, my oldest sister Gina, I remember we were visiting my grandpa, and we all stayed the night, and she came out of the bathroom with her hair, and that had that poof. Right there, that big poof. Aquanet, man. And he goes, what the hell's that on your head? Looks like a rooster's ass. <laughs> so we used to always call it the rooster's ass. Cause, you know, yeah, yeah it was, that was hilarious. The mother was like, oh, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuff. Okay, so here's my question. The Steiners are the hometown tag team, hometown wrestlers in this match. And technically, they probably have the best match on the show. Not the best angle, but in in the ring, it's 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 a it's a really hot match. Why is this second? I don't know. I don't know why it's second. Maybe they just want just to you know, maybe because corner has to come out later with Yokozuna, mm-hmm. so they kind of keep it. That's probably actually why they're doing it. Actually, get this over with, and you know, because Cornet's coming out later for the main event. That, that's that's probably the reason why. That's I'm 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 one hundred percent sure that's why they put it on second. Okay, so Cornette is in a neck brace here. And the reason he's in a neck brace is the weekend before SMW had a show where he's in the main event against Bob Armstrong, and they drew a record house for Smoky Mountain in Tennessee with the stipulation that all the fans would get their money back if if Bob Armstrong did not send Cornette to the hospital. Yep. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's actually an old angle, man. Uh, Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler did the same thing in 87. They're a big cage match. Big hair versus big hair match. Well, well, Lawler would lose his hair if he you know, he got pinned. But then if Idol lost, he would give the money back to all the fans. And Jerry Lawler's never lost a hair match, but he did lose this one. <laughs> it's, a big, it's a famous match. Speaking of Jerry Lawler, there was another match that same weekend in Memphis that I will mention when when we get there. So um, so Jimmy Del Rey is almost like the star of the entire show. He's just doing stuff that no one does in WWE except for the one two three kid, and he hits a moonsault to the floor, and Vince McMahon is screaming as if he's never seen anything like that. And I'm just thinking like. Waldman's been doing stuff like that on Raw for like the last month, so I don't know about that. But Jimmy Del Rey was like, he was kind of on fire in this match. Um, Vince continually calling the Steiners by the wrong name. I don't know why he keeps mixing up Rick and Scott. He's the only person ever in in, in the world to do that. Um, and so the, the setup is that uh, Jimmy Del Rey is about to hit a moonsault, but... Um, I think it's Scott moves out of the way, and so he hits a moonsault 
on Tom, Dr. Tom Pritchard. And then that sets up the finish, which is a Scott Steiner Frankenstein or Scott Steiner Frankensteiner for the win. But, you know, really fun match and it's hot. The crowd's going crazy. You know, Jim's going crazy on the side. Like I said, Jimmy Del Rey looks great. And, you know, just a strong win for the hometown baby faces. This match is awesome. It was <laughs> it was great. And I can't believe it was only nine minutes long. Yeah. I mean, I just think I saw the I remember the time being only nine minutes and I think in like time when I'm booking and these people are bitching about we only got 10 minutes like (laughs) these guys had less than 10 minutes and they went out there and freaking killed it. Great match. Um, They put everything together. Looked good. Jimmy Del Rey looked good. Uh, Pritchard looked good. Um, He was like, you know, he's just a ring general out there. And you know they featured the Steiners at their best. I mean that was that that killer spot where they he Scott reversed uh, Del Rey's DET into the uh, Exploder Suplex. Like that was just killer. And then the, the Frankenstein looked great. Like this is a definitely my favorite Steiners match in their you know their run in WWF. So at this point. Mean Gene and WWF have not come to a contract agreement. And Mean Gene is not on this show, even though he was in all of the uh, the build-up, the TV packages to, uh, not, not packages, but the segments for uh, building up the show. Instead, we get a gentleman by the name of Joe Fowler. <laughs> what, do, do you remember this guy? Because I didn't even remember this guy. I don't think he lasts his... I don't think it lasts too long, actually. But I thought he did good. I thought he was good too. He was fine. I think he was more remembered as like one of the guys who would do the. Um, what were those shows like? <clears throat> there were channels uh, where where he would like like a sports machine kind of George Michael it, sports machine. Kind no, of it was um, where he would hawk all kinds of stuff on TV. What oh. were those those old shows that they would do? Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, where you'd call the number and buy, you know, there's only seven left. The whole you know, shopping network. Kind yeah, of. stuff like that. Yeah, I thought he did great. I thought he was, you know, he transitioned good to Vince. And I thought, you know, but who knows? Maybe he just got like into the wacky world of wrestling. He's like, oh yeah, this shit's not for me. You know, like, so we'll, I don't know how long it lasts, but I don't think it's too long. I think it's maybe, I don't know. Nick will know. Nick. Yeah, Nick will tell us. Yes, definitely. Uh, he, I think he so he was either doing he, he's either doing infomercials or like home shopping clips something like that like that's kind of where he I think where he landed, but anyways, so he interviews um, Heartbreak Kid. He would also replace Mean Gene for a little bit on uh, All American Wrestling. Hmm. So they show uh, Gorilla and Jim Ross doing the sh- uh, doing the play-by-play on WWF radio. And so th- at this point in time, they were trying to pick up stations for Ross's, uh, Ross's radio show, his weekend radio show. And if you picked up the Ross's radio show, you also got the live radio play-by-plays of the, the pay-per-views. And what's funny about this is because, you know, it's a WWF show – they and it was caller driven, so Ross would take calls. Titan Towers would end up calling a lot of the uh, a lot of the show because they wanted to make sure the right questions were asked. <laughs> That's funny. So we get to HBK and Mister Perfect, and I know you just said that the match was okay, and you know 
I, I, I like being, I, I like being in, in agreement with you because, you know, most of the time, you know, not all the time, but most of the time we're in agreement, but I did not like this match because they're promising like the best match of the night. Yeah, that was their, that was their fault. You know, the promotion of this match, like this could be the greatest intercontinental match of all time. And like, <laughs> they know what the result's going to be. They know this is going to be step one of a program that just never finishes. And why would you promote it like that? Just like just sets you up for disappointment. Yeah, and the entire the only thing for this match is so that Diesel uh, looks strong against uh, Mister Perfect. So because I mean they're trying to portray Diesel as like this bouncer, he's like a real fighter, uh, and he's a tough guy, and so you know he he takes out Perfect and and I don't know, like I I, I guess Sean was okay, you know Perfect was okay, but but they both just did not. Uh, they they did they did not really go into this match with the idea that they were gonna have a great match. It was just like oh you know we're gonna we we kind of know what we're doing here and it's not very important. We're just gonna go through the motions. Yeah, I mean, I, I it wasn't go through the motion motion. I think I just think it was booked incorrectly. Like they should have like given the time to have a great match instead of booking an angle to lead to like it looked it looked like a lead to like a diesel mr perfect you know program you know next but yeah I, yeah i mean it was better next what i remembered but still still a disappointment uh so next is uh joe fowler with the one two three kid i, I really like his interviews like i think he asks pretty good questions for like a wrestling interviewer he says he was a sports guy too so i think like he asked like some sports questions like what's your strategy or what do you you know think about so he was asking certain things like that so no he was good i liked him no i liked him too and i thought he asked uh uh one two three kid a pretty interesting question about it's your first pay-per-view match are you nervous and you know waltman kind of I think he contradicted himself slightly, but eventually he did say that he was nervous. You know, the nerves are getting to him, the butterflies in his stomach. And so based on the way that they set up this interview, I'm thinking like, okay, like one, two, three kid against IRS. Sean's going to get another win. And all of a sudden he eats a flying clothesline, uh, a lariat from, from IRS and gets pinned one, two, three, right in the middle. And I was like, what the hell are they doing? No, 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 no. No, I know what you're saying. But if you listen, you listen to the commentary closely, you could tell. I didn't get this when I was back then, nineteen eighty three. But you can tell they're setting him up as a a singles heel run, and this is like, you know, DBLC of course is leaving, so now they're going to heat up. They need to heat up some heels. IRS is given that spot, so they're like really putting him over. Strong. Okay, but, but why why like beat why beat Waltman though? Waltman's like the, one of the hot characters on your TV show. But why not? He needs to lose. I mean, it's okay. It's okay for him to lose here. He's an underdog. And, you know, his luck finally ran out at this moment. So, okay, no. we're, we're, we're going to check on the next Raw that we watch, and we're going to see how many people are chanting one, two, three, like they were in this match. You think it would be less? Uh, yeah, I'm like... Well, it's a I'm smaller a, building. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm watching this match and going like, Waltman is one of like the... Maybe three or four characters that I'm, I, I really get excited for, even though these shows are, you know, how, uh, how old are these shows that we're mm-hmm. watching? But and then just to see him just flat out lose, just eats a clothesline and gets pinned, and 
ho-hum, Vince doesn't even really care, next match. I was just like, man, you really had something here, and I would have liked to see him, you know, win by the skin of his teeth again, or if the idea is for IRS to to go and, and, and be, you know, be a singles heel, and maybe, I don't even remember what they do with him, but, you know, maybe go for the Intercontinental Championship or whatever. There's tons of guys that are on that roster that he could have beat without having to beat the kid, like... I don't mind the kid losing, but he doesn't have to lose just in a random like five minute match. Like it should have been a little bit more important. Yeah, well, this is also a card too that I think had a little too many matches on the show. You know, the six man tag later in the night, the Ludwig Borga match with Marty Janetti, which you know didn't need to be on it at this time. Um, you know, so I think they it would be nice that they got if, if the kid and and uh, IRS got like. 10 minutes instead of like i think it was like five minutes this match was um okay so next match is uh supposed to be the uh bret hart against jerry lawler match now i i need to come clean about something because when we were talking about this match now i'm not reading ahead in the observers i'm not looking f- at, at match results i'm like trying to watch this as if i've never watched it before and some of this stuff i haven't watched before i did watch this show but it was you know how many years ago <laughs> you know 26 years ago or whatever it was and so i didn't remember exactly what happened and i think i said at the la- i think i said at some point you know the last few weeks when we were talking about this that you know i think i told you oh you know they still have brett and jerry uh, they're still promoting that match. And I knew that there was something going on with Doink. And you had said you thought maybe that Jerry had gotten in trouble at this point and they pulled him from the match. That's, that's actually uh, not what happened. What ha- what happens is is that they just use Brett, and he works twice, to get heat on the whole situation with Lawler. And Lawler's like the best heel in wrestling on this night. Um, and, and, you know, and maybe not just this night he was amazing but i i really thought that they pulled lawler out of the match because he got in trouble and that's not actually what happened i remember i told you the angle doink and stuff and it was a ruse and the and the and the knee and all that stuff remember that we talked about that no i didn't remember because (laughs) i'm going through this whole thing going like when are they gonna announce that lawler gets in trouble and i'm or not announced but when am i gonna read in the observer that lawler gets in trouble and it's just oh they just kind of changed up the match a little bit to get more heat on Lawler, which, I mean, it was totally fine. It was, it was, I, I love the way that they did it. And so what happens is, is Todd Pettengill does an interview with Bruce Hart and Owen Hart and Doink comes out and he throws, you know, the, the, fa- the, the, uh, the, the pail of water, which actually has confetti in it just to scare people. This time it really had water and poor Bruce, got you know gotten you got some water on him and i don't think he knew i don't think he knew what was going on it was a rib uh so a little bit a little bit of trivia here owen is in the crowd but he was also in the dark match against barry horowitz on this show yep yep yeah this was a rib on bruce and you can see bruce was not happy looked like the chump no he actually looked like he really wanted to fight and he took a shot at uh i mean it looked like a work punch i made those a little more on it but he did take a shot at doink so that was interesting, and then he kept like getting really into this whole match, and even on even in the post match between Lawler and Brett. But you know, it added just that realism, man. It was cool. I I was enjoying watching Bruce Hart freak out. Who, by the way, I met Bruce Hart. He went came to the APW gym one time. Nice. Yeah, during the just rolling lawsuit 
and stuff and he was there as like a guest as a as a as a a witness for Roland's side and he came and told this long speech that we all didn't understand him what he was saying <laughs> he was just mumbling the whole time but but yeah i remember him coming to the sh- coming to the garage and such a big deal and very kayfabe and why are we all here why is this happening and here comes Bruce Hart talking about the business and WWF <laughs> sucks and all this bullshit. And <laughs> I was just like, okay, grumpy Bruce. <laughs> so, um, so Brett comes out and then uh, Lawler comes out and he's got his knee wrapped, but <laughs> they put like one of those old fashioned ice packs on his knee and that's also wrapped. So it's not like ice as you would see today, but it's the old like rubber like rubber glove kind of ice pack where uh, just a big blue thing that you just, you load ice in and it's like this rubber and it's got a cap. And so he comes out with that and he's on crutches. And so, you know, they, they think that, that Jerry Lawler is, is, is hurting. Um, so, uh, so Lawler, uh, so, so Lawler can't, can't wrestle. And instead it, it's doink. So the, so the match is Brett versus doink. So they have this match. It's not. It's not great. It's not bad. The best part of it is when he fake when he throws the water on Bruce. But you know, Brett gets the best of it. Brett has him in the sharpshooter, and then Lawler comes in with the crutch and hits Brett <laughs> over the back with it. Um, or was it a chair? I think it was, it was a, a chair. It was a, a crutch? crutch. Okay, yeah. it was a crutch. And then, uh, and then, like Lawler gets one over on Brett. He's like the biggest heel in the arena. People are going nuts. Lawler just is like the best. And then we see President Jack Tunney. Hmm. President Jack Tunney comes out. He basically says that Lawler has to come back in and wrestle the match that he was supposed to wrestle, or he would be banned for a month, (laughs) a whole month they're going to ban him for. And so Lawler has to wrestle the match. So uh, a week. a month? I thought it was lifetime, but maybe I didn't hear it. I think he said a month. So, so, So the week before, they do a cage match in Memphis, and it's Brett versus Lawler. And I think the same thing that I just said about Cornette, where Cornette, um, Cornette had said, you know, or no, no, Bob Artrock had said, if I don't send Cornette to the hospital, then you, everyone gets their money back. I think Lawler's stipulation was if I don't, if I don't beat Bret Hart in this cage match, then everyone gets their money mm-hmm. back. And I think he beat Bret the cage match. So they did this match, uh, a week prior in Memphis and, uh, Lawler is just, he's not doing anything but he's doing everything. Like, he's such a great heel. The only part about this match I didn't like is, uh, you know, Lawler's doing all this heel stuff, and Brett's supposed to be the babyface, and he mule kicks Lawler right in the nuts, right in front of the ref. I don't, like, I have no idea why he did that. Well, the idea is that, um, that Brett's just beside himself, and it's like, it's not a wrestling match, it's like, a, it's a street fight, right, basically. So, you know, low blows, poke the eye choke a guy it all it all it for him it all just applies right now because he just wants to kill jerry lawler for just making his life miserable okay but if but if you want to do it and you don't care and the ref is right there and you don't care the ref sees it why just not straight up kick him in the balls like why mule kick him in the balls which is code language to wrestling for doing it in like a heel kind of way Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i I agree yeah they could just you know it could have been straight up and I would have been fine with that too. I love the finish where he locks all the sharpshooter and all the referees trying to pull him off. Here comes Bruce, but he's pissed, so he doesn't really want to pull him off. But Owen is trying to pull him off, and you know, it was I really like this. This whole this whole angle was awesome, and it's too bad that Lawler does 
eventually get some legal trouble that he gets out of, but just kind of killed the momentum of this program. Yeah, so when when Lawler submits, I, the whole time I'm thinking, okay, Doink's got to come in and Doink's got to get DQ'd so that Brett and Lawler can have another match. Like, why are they going to end the you know why are they going to end the feud right now? And then so Lawler taps, and I'm like kind of bummed. I'm like, oh man, I want you know I was hoping they would continue to go further, but it makes complete sense because the whole thing is who is the real king, mm-hmm. and so. At the end of the match, uh, the referee can't pull Brett off. People are trying to pull Brett off. He won't. He won't. And then the referee changes the decision. He's like, "Look, you don't. You, you know, you didn't break the hold. Jerry Lawler wins the match by disqualification, and he is the real king. So that's where you know that's where the 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 program must continue. So that was really, really smart. And they would do that again. I don't know if you remember this, uh, The Rock and Ken Shamrock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I think that was, was that at King of the Ring or was that at WrestleMania? I think it was at WrestleMania, actually. The Rock submits to WrestleMania 14, The Rock submits to Ken Shamrock, and then Shamrock won't let the hold go, so the referee changes the decision and, and Rock wins by disqualification and Shamrock goes nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they This is kind of an old old thing, but, you know, it's like, it's like old stuff that they brought back, and this is very uh, Memphis-style kind of angle um it was it was really good really like like i just want to see more now but then i just kind of know what happens yeah so. so so bruce and owen are like taking shots at, at jerry on his way out jerry takes the stretcher back it's funny because bruce looks really mad and his the, the shot the shot that he takes is like uh he jumps off the apron to do like a um an axe handle <laughs> like of all the moves to do to, to be pissed at someone you're doing a, an axe handle off the apron Still working, still working. So uh, Ludwig Borga is next, and this is the first time you and I see him because he didn't even wrestle on Raw. He he did the one interview at the uh, SummerSlam Spectacular, and um, he's wearing some incredible jorts, some jean shorts. (laughs) And so it's kind of weird because, you know, this whole thing is about Auburn Hills, Detroit, the Steiners are the hometown. You know, this is a slice of Americana. We got Lex Luger. And they have Ludwig Borga in what is a very poor area, making Detroit look like just like the slum of an area. I thought, man, what a what a like a backhanded thing to do to Detroit here. Well, I, you know, he's a heel though. He found the scummiest place of the the town and the state and he's just uh city, he's just you know, being an asshole. Yeah, but you know who that makes a heel for real is Vince. Vince is the real heel here. Why? Cause he decided to shoot it this way. <laughs> well, come on, he's, it's come on, Gary. He's a Ludwig's a heel. That's he's that's what they do. They they go into like it's cheap heat bullshit, right? Yeah, but it's Vince's idea. I. I guess I don't know where you're trying to go with this, but yeah, I get. I just, I just think Vince is being a dick. You think that's how he sees Detroit? Yeah, totally. <laughs> he wouldn't even call. Uh, what did they call it? Um, they didn't even call it Auburn Hills. They called it like Midtown Detroit or something like that. <laughs> like I don't know. Uh, so Marty and uh, and and Ludwig Borga have a match. Explain who Ludwig Borga is, because he had, he didn't just have a, a WWE career. He also had a Pride Fighting career, and kind of lasted a little while. Also, probably not the best dude of all time. Yeah, yeah, he had like a little sketchy past, or you know, sketchy 
life, I guess, because I, I believe he he committed suicide, right? If I remember correctly, uh, I'll, I'll I'll look that up for sure. But tell tell the people about. Well, he started. Um, I'm sure he was a boxer. I'm sure all that stuff was correct. I don't know how like his ranking was and Gold Glove and being a lightweight. Now he's had horse meat. Now he's huge. Uh, I don't know if all that stuff's true, but but you know he had a, a run in New Japan. Um, he was uh, very green there, but they you know he they protected him and and stuff. And he you know he wasn't the best, but you know I, I like Ludwig man. I like that promo. I thought he, like his delivery is really good. And he's just a like he's like a I think he might have been a, a played a villain on a movie or something like that I'm sure of it because he just has that like classic villain character his promo like I said his promos are good his delivery is good uh, Marty did a great job with him made him look like a you know like a badass you know like I thought the match was a perfect squash to get Lou Big Borka over I still don't think it was necessary to be on the pay per view to waste five five minutes on him I think it's you know that I think he's like been a, been a good new act to kind of start with on for his match wise in the ring like the next Monday right that they come back that 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 was but but you know I thought this was a good squash and yeah he did he fought in pro, uh, UFC once lost right I think Couture beat him if I remember correctly um, he also um, I think he did a rings match I believe too I think so. So on January 8th, 2010, two days after his 47th birthday, Tony Holm dis- died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound yeah. from an unlicensed handgun. His body was found two days later. This is from Wikip- his Wikipedia page. Following Holm's death, Jim Ross stated, I won't speak at length about those that have passed away, but Tony obviously had issues and was not a great guy to be around. So Jim is actually speaking at length. Yeah. Perhaps others have a different view of this man, but I personally found him to be somewhat obnoxious and he could be a bully if allowed to be such. Guys like Holm don't mix well in any locker room and need to be removed from the team Sooner rather than later, I still feel badly about the last years of Tony's life as things really unraveled for him seemingly due to alcohol and drug issues. So Ross uh, was not nice to Tony Holm two days or a few days after he passed away. Yeah, and I don't, he doesn't last long in WWE either. I'm sure there's a lot of those issues. I think he, I don't know if it's true he broke an ankle. Maybe I'm sure he did. And they're just like, maybe fuck it let's not bring him back because he's such an asshole but he uses luger's torture rack to beat Janetti. oh yeah yeah and, he, and he's being set up as the next uh next guy to feud with luger should have been for the championship but the <laughs> story coming up <laughs> so vince says the survivor series is on thanksgiving eve this year and they're going back to tag team matches that's that that was the sell for the survivor series mm-hmm. so taker versus giant gonzalez we were talking about this match as far as like what were the rules to the r.i.p match like what's going on so the only rules that the fink said was that it was no dq and no count out so the, the, that was the rest in peace match no dq no count yeah, out yeah so they're having this match, and as you can imagine, really slow. I think Undertaker's actually hurt for uh, for around this time, so he's not, you know, he's not at his best. Obviously, Giant Gonzalez, you know, never, never had a best. But they're having this match, and then the gong hits, and Paul Bearer is back with the black wreath. So he's obviously the one who was sending the mm-hmm. black wreaths out, and it made me realize, like, oh, where's Mister Hughes? Well, 
Mr. Hughes was, according to Dave Meltzer, the week of the uh, the write up of the Survivor of, of SummerSlam, says Mr. Hughes was either fired or suspended as he was removed from all his bookings and replaced by Adam Baum beginning August twenty second. So that's where Mr. Hughes was. Anyways, Taker wins this match, but you would think in a rest in peace match that he would beat him with the tombstone. And then, you know, put the arms over and, and do the pin and roll his eyes back and that whole thing. But no, he beats him with a clothesline from the top rope in a rest in peace match. And that was it. Gonzalez just takes the pin and matches over. Well, he's not going to get seven foot seven George Gonzalez up in that tombstone. I think the best thing possible to do without killing anyone is just to do the, you know, the what four or five clotheslines leading to the one well, top rope and. Let's get the hell out of here. This wasn't wasn't pretty. Okay, so Giant Gonzalez then takes it out on Harvey Whippleman. Is he turned babyface here? Looked like it to me. Yeah, I don't remember what happened, but yeah. So. I don't think much <clears throat> happens with Giant Gonzalez after this. Looks he did like have he... a darker colored suit, though. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we are back to Jim Cornette. Fowler, Joe Fowler interviews him, and Cornette calls him Hatchet Head. <laughs> And then he goes on to cut like the promo of the year. I want to make I want to make him promo of the year for 2019 too because this, this promo was amazing. He did not even barely take a breath and just ripped off like so much, cut so much over in this promo, and gave an excuse to why the Heavenly Bodies lost to the Steiners, uh, and was just like amazing. Like I, I I don't even know. He's he's like the best person on this television show. He's an unbelievable performer. One of the very, very, very best. All right, so next match is Smoking Guns and Tatanka against Bam Bam Bigelow and Head Shrinkers. Um, Tatanka hits a high cross, which I thought was going to be the finish because that was the that was what he used in that match on the SummerSlam Spectacular. But no, only gets a two. Um, match is you know match is pretty chaotic. All the guys in the ring, and then at some point Tatanka rolls up one of the head shrinkers to to win the match. Uh, the, the match was really fun, but it was kind of like lost in the chaos of like, okay, when's the main event coming? Like we can't wait for this main event. Yeah, they got like eleven minutes, and these guys are rushing like with everything. You know, I'm like, you get like the, one of the longest matches on the show, and you're rushing all these. You know, they're just trying to be hot for everything, and it's. It was really really sloppy in the beginning. They did some lot of cool stuff, but yeah, it's just kind of a waste. They should never had this match on the show. And I think I don't know why Tatanka can just beat Samu with the the tr- end of the trail instead of just a roll up. But you know, it's it's different mentality back then. You know, with finishers and guys getting pinned by finishers and stuff, and a roll up's more protecting him than you know taking a guy's finisher. So that's the reason why for that. That was for that. Okay, so Fowler, in the worst thing on the show, Fowler interviews Lex Luger's driver <laughs> for some <laughs> yeah. reason. That was really dumb. Carter, something Carter, Henry Carter, something like that. And so uh, now is the main event. So I think I, I said Lawler and Bret Hart may have been a week earlier. It was actually the night before. That cage match was the night before. But a week before, in Memphis, they did the Lex Luger versus Yokozuna match. And in that match, Lex wins. Uh, it was a non-title match, but Lex wins, uh, slams him, you know, forearm slam and, uh, and and pins him. 
And uh, and so that was also the same night that you had Jerry Lawler versus Paul Neighbors, and in Paul Neighbors' corner was one Vince McMahon <laughs> and Pat Patterson. So this is your first ever. I, 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 I'm, he may have done a promo before, but I think this was the intro, really the introduction of the Mister McMahon character. Yep, yep, yeah. I remember, I remember reading about this stuff and just like wishing to see this footage, and finally. Like a few years later, with tape trading and stuff, I got a lot of that stuff. It was it was it was fun to watch the Vince as a heel. It was great. So we knew that Aaron Neville was going to sing the national anthem. What we didn't know is that Jimmy Suzuki would sing the mm-hmm. Japanese national anthem, which I don't think I've ever heard the Japanese national anthem. I didn't even know they had a, a national anthem. Jimmy Suzuki sings it. That then Macho Man Randy Savage, who was not on the broadcast, comes out with Aaron Neville. And then Neville sings his version of National Anthem. Lex comes out, and he is like, I don't know, 25 pounds lighter than the last time we saw him. Yeah, I don't know why he came in so small for this. It just made because he was going, I don't know. I don't just, I mean, I remember like being like, as a huge Lex Luger fan, just being like totally shocked to see how skinny i mean he wasn't he he still looked great but like you know what i mean like i'm used to lex luger's big shoulders and traps and and like he like had nothing you know just didn't have it it was it was it was weird but this match was man i haven't seen this match in a very long time it's a lot better than i remember too i just remember the finish of course but the match was really good though so um lex I, i i'm sort i sort of uh you know, I think I think you might have been you might be right in that he needed to you know, that he thought he probably needed a little bit to because he because it's not just I mean, he's he did long matches with Flair. Right. But Flair's the one who's running around, not Lex. Lex is just like walking towards him in this match. Lex is the one who's got to be running around because Yokozuna's, you know, the, the, the big the big heel. And he's got to be the one hitting the Maybe ropes and the testing stuff's going starting to hit them. I don't right. know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they maybe had to get off the stuff. For- the the only thing I thought about was, uh, do you remember Rocky three? Mm-hmm. So, in Rocky three, he's training for the second fight against Clubber Lang. He goes back and it's uh, Apollo Creed's gym, and Apollo Creed is his new manager because Mickey died. And the announcer goes, "Wow, you know, Rocky looks actually looks like a middleweight. He came in super light and lean, and he's wearing like the USA trunks. Mm-hmm. Like I feel, I feel like there's a that someone someone watched Rocky three and was like, I think Lex needs to be lean in this match, just like just like Balboa was. So um, Lex is wearing the uh, the little sleeve on his on his elbow." To, because that was one of the things in this match was he couldn't have he had to have the elbow protected, so he was wearing the sleeve. He's still throwing the forearm. Um, gets I think it gets Yoko off his feet once uh, with the sleeve, but the, but that will play into kind of the finish of the match. The crowd is going nuts for this match. I don't remember. That's the part that I didn't really remember was how hot they were for this match. Yeah, they're extremely hot and. They should have done the title change here. God, they should have done it, you know. And they could have took him, you know, if it wasn't working out his run, and they could have definitely took it off him by Survivor Series or Rumble or something like that. But like, they should have pulled the trigger. The fans were there to see a title change. They felt it, right? And and you know, Vince, you know, a few weeks before thinks like we can't crown him at 
SummerSlam. Let's crown it. Yeah, we have to. Got to wait to WrestleMania. Got to wait to WrestleMania. <clears throat> but that was just a big, big misfire by Vince. So I think the match is probably probably five minutes too long. Lex is. I think Lex at, at some point is just like, I don't really have anything left to do, so I'm just going to punch because at least I know I, I'm, I can throw these punches. <laughs> That's a lot of his offense anyways, though. I know. So finally, near the end, he does slam Yoko. I thought the slam at the USS Intrepid was a little bit more impressive, but it, but he wasn't he wasn't wrestling yeah, for 18 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so then he takes off the, the forearm pad. Uh, and then hits him with the forearm. Yoko takes a, t- takes a dump to the outside. And so the the thing that I forgot about this is that there is a small genius in this match where Jim Cornette's the one who actually saves Yokozuna because he jumps onto the apron and he's wearing this neck brace because he had just lost that match against uh, Bob Armstrong where he took some pile drivers. So that's why he's wearing the neck brace. And uh, he kind of takes Luger's eye off of the game. And when Luger's messing with Jim Cornette, the referee does not stop counting and he counts Yokozuna out. The problem, though, is Luger looks so dumb celebrating this win. And they make it even worse by having the Steiners and Tatanka and Savage come and celebrate with him. And all the confetti is coming from the from the ceiling of the building and I'm just like watching this match. I go, and, and you'll remember this. It reminded me of Starcade 1987. Hmm. The Road Warriors against Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, where they win by countout. I was sure that they were going to win the titles. They're in Chicago. And they raise their hand like they won the championship when they did not win the championship. It just made them look so dumb. And I felt the same way for Lex. Yeah, no, I this just I just this is where it all ended right here, with that finish. I was thinking about this, how I would have done the finish to extend it, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's Vince is like, okay, you guys gotta come up with something that's gonna extend this WrestleMania. We're gonna have heat on Lex on the way out. So here's what I would do. I would have Cornette jump on the apron after the big slam. I would have, you know, as the referee goes to Cornette, Fuji. On the opposite end, sneaking up with that uh, that bucket he had, right for the, and he's about to waffle Luger from behind. But Luger turns around, gets him, he grabs him. Fuji struggling with Lex, he's struggling with Lex. Fuji slips out by grabbing the forearm pad. As he slips off the apron, he grabs the forearm pad. The forearm pad goes off. Fuji has a forearm pad. Luger Yoko tries to attack Luger from behind. Luger ducks, hits the rope. Big forearm, boom, one, two, three. And I know this will be a bummer, but this is where you do the dusty finish. <laughs> Seriously. Out comes Jack Tunney. Again, you know, for the second uh, time. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, this dip, you know, he was there. Maybe he's at ringside. Maybe he's at ringside watching this match like he did uh, uh, Hogan and Undertaker Survivor Series 1991, right? Maybe he's there to watch this historic big match, right? And, you know, he's the one that put this rule in place about the forearm pad. Cornette's out there protesting, blah, blah, blah. You know, everyone's protesting. Yoko's just laying there dead. He can't even move. He can't wake up. He's knocked out. And that's where they do the, the you know, the dusty finish. But I think it would have worked here. Because, one, they never did it. or And then they, I know they did it. But, the, you know, they rarely did it in WWF. 
at the time. So I think it would have been, instead of turning people off, I think it would have added more heat for Luger's chase. And then maybe you could extend it to WrestleMania. Okay, so before we get out of here, I want to give you a hypothetical. <laughs> Let's say Luger wins this match and wins the title. How is his career as a wrestler? Uh, how, how does it change? Does he still end up in WCW in 1997 or whenever that was? Um, does he... Does he stunt Bret Hart's uh, singles career in any way? Um, do they do they do what you said, which is kind of just change the belt back at, at at Survivor Series? Like, did you think that the crowd was really into Lex the way that it seemed like they were into Lex? I mean, on this night, I feel they were. On this night, I feel they're there. They thought they're for sure going to get a towel change and Luger's going to win. They're all going to celebrate. It didn't happen. I think him looking like a goofball and celebrating his countout victory and looking like an idiot really just cost him after this match. I would have put the belt on Luger. You could have done this. You could have done the, like I said, the dusty finish. If, if Vince is like, John, you know, you have to book this, and I, but I want this to happen at WrestleMania. He's going to title, not here. But say, he, say we're not doing that. Say we're putting the belt on Luger at SummerSlam 93. I say you do that, which I would have done originally. And if Luger's not working out, he's a damn good heel. Turn him heel. You know, have him, have Brett win the Rumble. Have Brett and Luger as a big, you know, WrestleMania main event where Brett beats Luger. You know, something like that. I mean, I think they could have, you know, there's there's definitely... You got to see how it plays out, but maybe he catches fire. Maybe he's like this ultimate baby phase. Like, maybe he's like a, not Hulk Hogan level, but maybe he's close as they can get in 1993 and wrestling's down. So, you know, that's that's what, I, you know, there's two ways you can go. But I think you have to see what happens. I mean, I can't just say he was going to be a success. But if not, you know, there's ways to get out of it and go a different direction. I think Lex gets to Royal Rumble and then he's done. I think there was there was there was Retired. a no no no, no. I, I, as a champion yeah if he wins the title here I think he flames out by Rumble just because I think at, at around or you know I, th- I think the fan base is is slowly changing because you just seen what was it nine years of Hogan mm-hmm. and so Vince is trying to recreate Hogan. And so you're like, okay, like this is this is how this is how it works with behind this babyface guy, and then by but I think by Rumble, the fans are like, okay, like we're 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 kind of done with this, and we want to see something different, and and then I think you know Brett, it, it happens for Brett after that, and I think he, you know, I think the same thing happens, but I do think if they give Luger the the strap, in this situation, I think his career is looked at completely differently because he's kind of like a joke. Like, uh, I mean, some of it has to do with, you know, the, the the thing that happened with Elizabeth and then him getting, you know, getting in the wheelchair and all that stuff. But like, you know, if you look at Lex Luger's career from like 1986 to 19, you know, 91, 92, you're like, this is a legit Hall of Famer. But then, post that time frame, he had he had a you know a couple of of of, of uh, moments uh, in WCW. But post this match, like his career just kind of goes down, and I don't think anyone took him seriously after this match. In the same way, I mean, I think he he heated up a little bit with 
the the surprise debut of the first Nitro, and I think he had a good year of it. Eighty ninety six, you know, it peaked. His run peaked. His height of his run peaked. I think when he beat Hogan ninety seven for the title, but then they took it off him so quickly it meant nothing, and that's when things started going like south. Then he turned heel or went to the freaking NWO Wolfpack, and then at that time everyone's just fucking making money no one's giving a shit and doing what they want and this wcw is just falling off the rails and then of course you know all this shit happens later on so yeah but you know i think he had a little second life though in 95 96 so they do some cool stuff him and sting and and whatnot and he was actually not that bad then either he's having good matches but you could tell like right after the whole 97 title win he just kind of like fell off and just kind of coasted um, but yeah, I think also it would have been Luger's problem as champion is that there wasn't that many strong contenders, right? You had Ludwig Borga, who, you know, I don't know how long that would have, how well that would have drawn. I mean, you had Doink's a heel, but he's going babyface soon. You have Lawler, but he's going to be gone soon. There's Sean, but like for the most part, they weren't really that strong on the heels, right? With IRS is not going to, not going to, you know, draw anyone, so... Yeah, heel side not not that strong because everything is it, it's like Yokozuna or bust. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's no one else really 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 heated and you know Giant Gonzalez loses obviously so you know Undertaker wins. Well, what, what if Luger and like not necessarily a double turn where Yoko turns babyface, but what if Luger just turns heel in this match and does something totally un-American to win the title and it's just like it's all this whole. USA thing was all a ruse, you know. I knew I had the power to body slam Yoko because I'm just that damn good. Vin, Vince is like, man, I wasted all that money. Am I gonna waste all that money to then just set up a heel turn? Why not? That would be great. And Luger's a better heel than his baby face. Tell you that. You know who he could have actually had a run against is 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 Lawler. Law. I mean, Lawler's like the the best heel mm-hmm. I've seen. You know. Uh, 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 in 1993 just based off of this match so yeah. he could have he could have did something with Lawler I don't know yeah. how good those matches would have been but yeah, with Lawler in there they would have been good because he's he's a tremendous warrior alright uh, this was one of the longer shows <laughs> that we've done and you kind of hinted at it at the beginning about how much stuff we had to talk about but um, we, we should get out of here hopefully you know, people were able to listen to all of this and maybe in, in two in, in, in two uh two situations but um we did have a lot of stuff to talk about next week it won't be as much because there's not as much going on but you know we're gonna have this wednesday night war to talk about wwe is gonna do stuff AEW is gonna do stuff they have to sell tickets to their pay-per-view this friday they gotta sell tickets to tv taping so there's gonna be news and uh, and we'll be here to chat about it so for john i am double g we will see you when we see you peace out